This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts... Joe Lanza. X out. Go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. <laughs> I love you. Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the, in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. All right. Welcome once again to the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Cranch alongside, as always, the king of banter. Very good family man, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's up? I'm ready to go. You know, I took a nice dump before the show, and I heard it. Had my hot pockets, had some nice hot pockets, and I'm uh, I'm ready to do this. (laughs) People don't understand. Like, so, so the process of Thursday when we record these. So, so what is your day like? What is a day in the life of a Joe Lanza on this Thursday? Because, because the day of the life of Rich is drives home from work, walks the dog and dogs in 20 minutes, feeds them, and then doesn't eat dinner until you know, like midnight or whatever after we're done recording the podcast. Or like last week, I just didn't eat dinner. I just was so tired. I was like, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to go to bed. So I guess that's good. But what is what is the day of the life of Joe Lanza? Because you're, you're double dipping on this Thursday. Um, sometimes I'll go to work in the morning. Sometimes I won't. It depends. And then I will either wait around the house in my underwear for the ratings to come out from the night before. So I could do the Thursday TV reviews. Or if I actually did go to work, I will hustle home for three o'clock central when the ratings come out. So I can do the Thursday TV reviews. And then, uh, you know, I, I take a look at the ratings and figure out what my angle is going to be for the show. So I've got the shows watched and the reviews set. I know I know what my angle is going to be for talking about the shows themselves, but I got to put together some kind of compelling talking points for the ratings. So I'll take a few minutes to do that. Then I record the Thursday TV reviews. And now you, since you've gotten fired from your job, like you, you want to record the flagship super early now. So I got to wrap up those TV reviews like by five o'clock because you're raring to go over there. So then. I got to make sure I finish by five. You know that I actually got like numerous text messages from friends, <laughs> like about like feeling bad for me and be like, oh, I have a guy that works at this company. If you want me to hook you up with it, it's like, well, you know, no, hey, yeah, you know what? Yeah, why not? But like, no, I didn't get fired. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good thing we got well, here. Well, you're no longer employed. It, look, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Okay. It happens. <laughs> if you have any it's good a- offers or you want to pay me, feel free. Or we've always said the best way, the best way. Everybody that's listening, subscribe on Patreon right now. If you don't subscribe, subscribe right now. Patreon.com slash Voice of Wrestling. And then it'll be fine. That's right. $5 to get you everything. Then it'll be fine. Then me losing my job, it'll be no problem at all. Got some new tears coming. Um, listen, I don't know what's going on over there, whether you're employed or not. But you want to record the flagship now like three hours earlier than usual, which I'm fine with. You know, but I got to make sure I'm super tight on wrapping up the Thursday TV reviews. And getting that uploaded before we start this. And then uh, then I'll usually shove some hot pockets down my throat. And so is, is that the food? Is that the usual in-between podcast food? Is is the hot pocket? Is there ever 
Is there anything, is it ever any, like, real food, or is it always just, like, a Hot Pocket Bowl of cereal, just some bullshit that gets you by for a little bit? It's anything easy. It's anything easy. Here's what happened. I went grocery shopping last week, and they had some, they had some Hot Pockets on closeout. I guess some flavors they're doing away with. Oh, boy. <laughs> right? So, I'll buy anything on closeout. I'll come, if I see something on closeout, I fill the cart. I bring the shit home, and Brittany's like, we don't even eat this. What did you buy this for? I'm like, it's on closeout. I got a deal. You know? A 45-pack of Crystal Light. You're like, I don't know. We're going to use it sometime, yeah, I'm sure. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I got a deal here. It was 68% off. I had almond to get butter. it. Almond butter. We'll use it for something. We'll use this almond right. butter for something. She's like, we never eat, you know, insert item X. I'm like, but it was a deal. You don't understand. Like, these are the things that excite me now. There was a deal on, uh, on pork loin at the grocery store last week. And I'm texting her from the store and texting people I know. Like, these are the things that excite me at this stage. I get excited about deals on pork loin. So anyway, the, they had these Hot Pockets on closeout, and I filled the cart. And they had the, these Hot Pocket filled pretzel gimmicks. Oh, right? that sounds terrible. <laughs> that sounds so bad. And the flavors look good on the box, and it was on closeout for like $2 a box. And normally, they're like five ninety nine a box. So... I couldn't pass up that deal, so I bought like eight boxes of these fucking things. And these are big boxes. They're not like the Hot Pocket size boxes. They're like big square boxes. So I've got them out in the uh, in the backup freezer is all filled up in the fucking garage because I can't fit them in the house. Oh, hold on a minute. So I've looked these up. Are, are we talking like this cheesy jalapeno ones? Yeah, they look good, right? Oh, those look real good. Yeah, never yeah. mind. I, I take it back. Those look real fucking good. There was another flavor, too, and the boxes are huge, though, that I couldn't even fit them in the freezer, so I've got them out in the garage. I got these things everywhere because I bought all of them. I'm like, they're on closeout. <laughs> Fiery chorizo? Is that the other one? Yes. <laughs> Fiery chorizo, yeah. So I bought all – I just emptied the fucking Kroger supermarket freezer of the Hot Pocket pretzels on closeout. So I bought every single box, and I bring them home. And I'm so excited. I'm rubbing my hands together, right? And I'm like, I can't wait to eat these things, right? They're disgusting. They couldn't be grosser. And it's like the kids won't even eat them. You know, like they're not eating. And they'll eat anything. You know, it's like you stick something out of the microwave in a kid's face. They're going to They're like, I'm not eating this. But I have to sell it like they're good because I bought like 19 boxes of them. You understand? Like I have to keep putting them over and pretending I like them because – the wife was already mad at me for buying 178 boxes of Hot Pocket filled pretzels. I can't admit that they're bad. I have to eat them mm-hmm. and pretend that I like them now. So this is my life now. <laughs> it's just p- pouring through these boxes. How many more are left to go? 174? Okay, uh, so legitimately, I have, I think, eight boxes of each flavor. Oh, no. <laughs> How many are in a box? I lo- I'm looking here. And oh, there's, ten, there's 10 of the pretzel sticks in each uh. box. So that's 80 times uh, 16. What is that? Eight, um, how many of these? I was, like, I was told there would be no math, so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> there's like a thousand of these fucking things in my hat. But here's the thing. They're like, they call them filled pretzel sticks. Rich, they're thin Hot Pockets. That's all they are. It's the same crust as the Hot Pocket pretzel. Do you understand? Like when you get a Hot Pocket, it's the pretzel right, crust. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it's filled. It's the same thing. It's the same deal where red tastes like red and white tastes like white. And if you get a yellow, then yellow tastes like yellow. It's it's they're they're the same thing, and they're just smaller hot pockets, and they're not good. And I have to choke my way through like nine hundred more of these things. So, um, 
yeah, that's what I ate before the show. <laughs> Fantastic. So. Like six of those. You throw them on a plate. You microwave them for like three minutes. All of them have blowouts. They all blow open. So it's like now you're eating <laughs> empty hot pocket casing with, you know, and all of the cheesy stuff is like on the plate, you know, and then you got to make that decision. Am I going to scoop that up with the index finger and eat it? Right. Or am I just going to let it go and wash it off in the sink? So, of course, you scoop it up with your finger. Absolutely. And eat it. Oh, God. Are you kidding? Yeah. No, there's no question. Right. But it's never good. It's like, uh, you know, it's, it's just, you feel like less of a person when you do it. You, yeah. do. you, you have to do it, but you do feel terrible. So you feel like, like, yeah. And I'm like, I wonder how many calories this five hot pocket pretzel sticks was. And then I'm like, I'm not even going to look. Why am I going to look? I'm just going to be disappointed in the answer. So I'm not even going to, I'm not, uh, I don't want to know, but, um, that's my life now. And <laughs> that's what it's every time I finish a box, TLB is the first one to go out in the garage and restock with a box from the garage. She's like, oh, you, oh, I see you ate the hot pocket. I think she's on to me. Oh, she day. knows. She knows. Yeah. So yeah. She's going out and getting a new box and put and replacing the old box. In, in, you know what I mean? I with can the only fake like, like, oh, Joe, I know you love these. So here you go. Here's another box. Like she knows that you know that she knows that you hate them. Right. I try to feed these to the kids daily. And they, <laughs> so she knows you want, like, you want these gone. <laughs> they like don't even. Yeah. Like they used to like take a bite and then just push it away and like ask for peanut butter and jelly or something. Now they're just like, I don't want this. And then I have to eat it. It's, it's, it's a bad situation, but that's what you get. Cause I, I know what the closeout tag looks from like a hundred yards away in the supermarket, no matter what it is, I'm just compelled to buy it. I'm like, how can I say no to this 88 cent off-brand version of whatever the fuck. And I just buy it, and then it just sits in the house and no one ever touches it. But I will not, I have to sell that these things, I have to sell it that I like them. Yeah, you know? that, that, that is tough. I, I And I get that. Yeah, because I, I do the same. I, I'm not as, maybe I'm not as diligent about the closeout, but like I have various like weird variant peanut butters in my pantry because of that exact reason. It's like banana butter. And I'm like, oh, that looks great. <laughs> I have it. It's terrible. And I have yeah. to like, I, I, I like, you know, I try to think that it's eventually get, like, I want to feel like I put one over on them. So I try it once and it sucks. And I'm like, oh God, this banana butter, whatever the hell this bullshit is, is terrible. <laughs> like it's, it's weird. I got to like stir it before I put it on a, uh, you know, a, 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 it's just it's disgusting. It's oh, is it like yeah. that natural peanut butter? That's yeah, yeah. But it's like yeah, but it like separates, so you open it and there's just like greasy oil everywhere, and you're like, oh yeah, God, I gotta. That's the worst. And then you what stir you- it, and then you put it on like a you know I'm trying to put it on like a, a piece of bread to make like a peanut butter, and it like it glops all over the place. I'm like, oh god, it's no, it's terrible too. It doesn't taste good at all. But like, I don't want to throw it away because it's like, well, no, I mean, I got one over on them. This thing was only twenty five. Yeah. This was twenty seven cents. Like, I'm gonna make yeah. this twenty seven cents count. Like. I got a deal. <laughs> right. Like, it's normally $3. I got it for 20 cents. It's got to be good. Like, you know, and you got to remember with the closeouts is the reason it's on closeout is nobody fucking exactly. buys it. Exactly. Yeah, I know. So if it's like a, if it's an item that you know you like, it's a great deal. And then the other thing with the closeouts is, see, I'm a savvy closeout purchaser. Okay. I know that the first time I see something on closeout at like 20% off, no. I know you're going to drop further than that. I'm not buying 20% off, sir, because I know when I come back next week, it's going to be like 40% off. Now you're rolling the dice because now you've got to make a decision. Buy it at 40% off or wait another week. If you wait another week and nobody buys them, it's going to be like 80% off, and that's where you get your real good closeout deal. You see? But that's a gamble because a lot of people will bite at like the 40 or 
20%, you're safe to wait another week, you know? But no matter what, regardless of when you make your purchasing decision, you're going to bring it home and then not like it. That's a guarantee. So that is our life now. Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. Please subscribe so that... Yeah, so I don't have to buy closeout food. Exactly. See if you Poor support Patreon. <laughs> you know, I could buy the full price items. I was also going to say that you don't, have to, you don't have to punch that clock into work. So yeah, if you're, if you're home all day, you can, you can make a delicious meal for yourself. Uh, before we record these, these shows. So uh, not, not to make another food aside here, but uh, have you had a chance to try the, uh, the Pop-Tarts pretzels? Have you seen these no. abominations? They look... I, I don't I don't think you could pay me enough to, to, to have these. I saw a commercial for these, so they are they're Pop Tarts, but I guess the outside is like pretzel. It that looks like salted pretzel horrible. and it's like chocolate and cinnamon sugar. And I can't I can't fathom how that got even to market. Like how did how did nobody say, Why are we doing this? No one's gonna want them. And and I've even seen a few people that have tried them, like people that are like, All right, look, let me give it a and across the board everybody hates them. I I'll never try them. They look hideous. They look just god awful. I can't I, I, again, I can't imagine why you would purchase these ever. You know, I always have hop, I always have the uh, pop tarts in the house, and every now and then, when I go into the pantry, it looks real good, right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna have a pot. You know what? I'm gonna eat these pop tarts. I get through the first one, and I'm they like, stink. I don't, I don't garbage. like pop tarts. Yeah, they're they're bad. And then I, I buy them, my... and I do that. I always buy them. Yeah, like pop tarts are good because they look great. Like they the, look the, great. the box looks great, and you're like, man, there's gonna be a time. Like I, I, I'll be honest. Like there's, there's a few times post podcast that the only thing I eat before I go to bed is I throw a pop tart in my mouth, real quick, yeah. and it's terrible. And I regret it instantly. And I'm just like, that was a terrible. That was my dinner. Like, what does this world come to? That I just ate a freaking wild berry pop tart, and that was my dinner or whatever. But um, they always look great. Like you look at pictures of them, and you're like, man, that looks good. And they're just never yeah. good. They're terrible. They're not. You know, I, I, I force my way through one, and then it, they come with two in the pack. So I'll get through like half of the second one, and I'm like, why? I don't have to do this. The whole box is two ninety nine. The pop tart I'm eating it costs like sixty cents. I don't have to finish this. You don't have to force yourself, Joe. And then uh, you know I'll throw it out. But I, I, I'm never satisfied. You open up that that foil packaging. It's always in the foil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. You know. And, Once you got to that point, you know you've gone too far. There's no turning back. And and but you realize you just got to go with it. Unfortunately. Yeah, but always disappointing. But I'm not eating no pretzel fucking no, pop tart. Especially with the cinnamon. The cinnamon pop tart, it's crunchy. Why is it crunchy? Like the cinnamon is crunchy. <laughs> you ever notice that? Knows. Like, God only knows. Because it's just pure sugar. So it's just like they don't even bother. It's just like it, it's like it, it shouldn't be crunchy, is my point. The texture always throws me off. I don't want that inside of of a, of a, of a and what do you think pop tart pretzel ta- like what does the pretzel taste yeah, like yeah it's got to be it's yeah. just got to be like fl- i wonder if it's flaky or it's chewy or i either way it doesn't taste anything like a pretzel it, it doesn't it looks kind of like a pretzel and from what i can tell it looks like it has salt on it which just makes me even more like what are we doing <laughs> i hope it's i hope that's additional sugar on the outside even though it doesn't really make it that much better but the idea of it being salt on the outside would would horrify me even more but i don't want sugar on my pretzel and I don't want my pretzel mixed with dessert things. Like I don't want a pretzel with chocolate or cinnamon. I want a pretzel with like a cheese sauce or a mustard. That's how I want my soft pretzel. I don't want pretzel with dessert type things. I don't like that mix. I'm with you. Yeah, there's there's a place by me that actually uh, stuffs pretzels with like Italian beef and um, 
Like I could do that. Stuffed. It's good. Yeah, it's really good. Thank God. It's like only open on Saturdays and like at weird times because my God, it's like five minutes from my house and my God, I would devour that place uh, if it was any often. So thank God it's not a, like that they, they're not open at like 10 p.m. on a Thursday night or else that would be the post podcast spot every single time. So um, it's pretty good. It's good stuff. So I'm the same with bagels too. I don't like, I don't eat like raisin cinnamon bagels or fucking cinnamon swirl but none of that bullshit my bagels i don't want to mix that with dessert stuff i i'll eat a garlic bagel or an everything bagel or a jalapeno bagel i, I don't want jelly or fucking raisins or cinnamon or blueberry or any of that bullshit in a bagel um this is a this is a bit a comedian does it's not it's not my bit but i can't remember the comedian who, who that's I can't, a great story <laughs> go on but it it doesn't matter who the comedian, but the, I, I just want it to be known I'm not stealing a bit is basically what I'm setting up. But you start putting all that fruit shit on a bagel, it's now a donut. It's not even a bagel anymore. You know what I mean? Like it's not – to me, that's not a bagel. So I am anti-dessert and fruit shit on my pretzels or my bagels. Where do you stand on a bagel? This is good. This is great. I, I, we've always said that we want to do a show once where we, we tease that we're going to do wrestling and we never do wrestling. Uh, we're getting pretty yeah. close, man. I'm not going to lie. This, is, this one's getting pretty good. This one's getting pretty uh, heavy here. Um, okay, so I don't hate fruit stuff. I don't hate like cinnamon raisin or blueberry bagels, but it's like I feel like when you go in, you, you have an idea of what this bagel, what, what you want out of this bagel. You know what I mean? There, yeah. Like more times than not, I go everything. That's, that's the go-to bagel. It's the best bagel of them all, I think. I mean, there's no... No doubt about it. But sometimes you don't want the too much salt, you know? And, and and I don't mind a blueberry bagel. I really don't. The cinnamon, I you know, I could do it. The cinnamon raisin, that's okay or whatever. I don't hate the blueberry though. I don't hate it. Like, but but it needs to be that's my mood right now. And what I tend to do more is if I buy bagels from a store, I'll buy the blueberry bagels or the cinnamon raisin or something like that. But if I go to an actual bagel place, a place that's making good bagels, I always go everything. Does that make sense? Yeah. When it's a garbage bullshit bagel and I don't really give a shit or whatever. Yeah, I'll do blueberry. I'll do whatever, you know, usually whatever's on sale. But um, <laughs> but when I go to an actual place that makes bagels, it's everything bagel for sure. 100% of the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I like a fancy. See, I'll do the Chikara cream cheese. Like I'll do a jalapeno the schmear, cream the, uh, cheese. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I go to A vegetable cream cheese. I'm okay with a Chikara uh, cream cheese. You know, that that I'll do as long as it's not fruity. I, I can't do the fruit. Do they even have? Do they? Oh, they have like a strawberry one or whatever. That one's a little much. Yeah, know. they got all kinds of Chikara cream cheeses, all kinds. You know, you, they get real fancy with that shit. It's Chris D'Elia, by the way, the comedian who does that bit. I, I give credit there. Uh, he has a great podcast, but a very shaky stand-up. I don't love his stand-up. But his podcast is very funny. Um, yeah, so the, you know, I'll do a Chikara cream cheese, but it's just no fruit, nothing with sugar. Don't want to do that. I don't mix my desserts. With my primary meals. That's the thing here. Like I'm not – I never like to do that. So, uh, you know, even like with pancakes or something, keep the fucking fruit and the fucking whipped cream and shit. Get that shit out of here. I'm eating a meal. I'll have dessert later. I like to keep that separated, you know? Have I ever told you my most uh, – the, the thing that almost <laughs> made every woman that's ever dated me uh, break up with me? Did I ever tell you about What's that? I think, maybe I think I'll you know end, about this. Maybe I'll end this podcast when you tell me. <laughs> you might. So uh, I put jelly on my pancakes. That's not awful. Okay. I, mean, I, I feel it, like have we had this discussion I, before. I forget. I've never heard that. Okay. No. I'm glad that you, of all people, didn't judge me for that. No, but No, listen. I wouldn't do it, but I don't think it's gross. Like, if you handed me a plate of pancakes with, like, some strawberries fucking jelly on it, I'd eat it. I'm not going to be like, 
oh no, I'm gonna vomit. Like, yeah, okay, and because this is my argument, I'm like, well, people are like, oh, here's syrup, and I'm like, it's just a different way to eat sugar. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, here we're at IHOP. Here's a boysenberry uh, syrup. It's like it's the same shit. It's just syrup versus jelly. It's the same. It's just a rece- you're, you're, the end game is just I'm putting sugar into my mouth. Is the end game. It depends how you want to do go about that. So thank you for not judging me on that. Well, the one thing I won't do is grape jelly in any form. No, I, well, grape jelly is the worst jelly. Yeah. Yeah, it's for the pores. No, I, I just I can't eat grape jelly. Well, why would you? Why would you? In, in in 2020, why are you eating grape jelly? Because it's cheap. Even you no, should. come on, no. I, yeah. <laughs> the only reason anyone buys grape jelly is because the strawberry jelly is 3.99 and the grape jelly is 99 cents. Because you can't possibly like it better. Grape jelly is it's nasty. But uh, I have an assorted amount of jellies in my uh, my fridge right now. I, I go to town on the jellies, yeah, because I, I eat a lot of peanut butter and jelly. It's a good little lunch, you know. It's it's nice and easy. I'm I'm basically like your children in that sense. Where well, this, well, this is what see. Here comes the take that's going to set me off. You toast your peanut butter and jelly, which is just a- no, no, not all the time, not all the time. I do if I'm home and I'm going to eat that. But if I'm going to like bring it to work, it, it's not toasted. This is going to blow up our mentions for like a fucking week. Like it always does. I don't think we've done this for, for like three, four years. It's been a while. So yeah. the new listeners, this is new to them. But I never heard of toasted peanut butter and jelly until you stunned me with that on like a 2014 flagship. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I never knew that that was a thing anyone ever did. Why like wouldn't I, you? I thought you invented that. Like when you told me about that. I'm like, you're the only weirdo. And then our mentions were filled. With people who toast their peanut yeah, butter. And goddamn milk. right they were. I'm like, that's not, first of all, that's not a hot meal. You don't want warmth with a peanut butter and jelly. That's, that's I disagree. Cool. I disagree. You haven't it's tried cool. it. You haven't tried it. You don't know. I will not try it because it's, 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 it's serial killer shit. I can't get, <laughs> I can't imagine toasting the bread on a peanut butter and jelly. First of all. It's fantastic. I'm telling you, you're missing out. Okay. I maybe, maybe. Eat one peanut butter and jelly a year. That's number one because I'm not nine. That's the first thing. Number two, if I am eating a peanut butter and jelly, if I if I'm having a hankering, Rich, if I'm having a a hankering for a peanut butter and jelly once a year, like I might do, I'm definitely not toasting the bread. That that I, I legit never heard of it, but I have to take the L because a million people said it's a thing. But I legit, like I promise you, the first time I ever heard that is when you said it on this show. Will you give it an honest try or no? You're, you're not going to. I'm not going to do okay, that. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I get it. Here's the thing. I know I'm not going to like it. It's like. Yeah, that's yeah. there's no reason to waste uh, two slices of perfectly good bread. So First of all, I'll listen to you, the bread. I got a loaf of, I got a loaf of <laughs> Times bread. Times are now. tough. Times are tough, Joe, you know. It cost 89 cents, the <laughs> right. loaf of bread. Jeez. I, I buy bread. This is what's weird. Like, I'll look for the closeout deals, right? And I'll look for deals on pork loin. But then I'll buy a fresh loaf of bread every week. And TLB gets on my case for that. She'll go, we still have half a loaf of oh, bread. she's like, right. She's so right. You, you and the fucking nurse. You guys but I'm all- like, it's 80 cents. Who cares? No, no, it's bullshit. Because it's like, why do we have some, we have like four loaves of bread in our house right now. And every time she comes home, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, if she goes in grocery shops without me, I, I come home and there's a goddamn new loaf of bread there every single time. And I'm like, why are you doing, buying another new loaf of bread? She eats two slices out of it. And then we have to throw it away again. I told you why. Because it's 80 cents. That's no. The bread I buy it adds is up. It adds up, Joe. I'm with the TLB on this one. So I, I buy, and then she goes, there's still half a loaf. So yeah. you know what I do? I take that half a loaf, and I immediately throw it in the garbage. And she screams like I'm dropping a grenade. <laughs> like, it's like, slow, no! I'm like, who cares? It's a, it's 40 cents worth of bread. What's the difference? It's the ends, which no one ever eats. And it's it's like, 
a third of the loaf. What? Now there's fresh bread. It's going to taste better anyway. It's stupid white bread. The only people who eat it are the children. Right? Anyway, so what's the difference? Like, I could see if it's like a fancy fucking multigrain or something. Yeah, you want to eat the whole thing. I get it. But if it's just white bread, come on, man. It's, it's essentially worthless to begin with. Throw the fucking half a loaf out and get some fresh bread out there, says the closeout man. But that's, that's how I do the bread. It's just weird how you, people will be cheap about some things and then be like spendthrifts about something else. Right, right. You know? Like I won't allow grape jelly in my house, right? Nor should you. I mean, come on. But it's like – you, 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 it's, it's a two-job household. There's no need for grape jelly. That's a good point. That's, you make a good point. It's a compelling argument. No one should for, be forced to eat grape jelly, you know, if it's a two, two-job household. But, uh, but yeah, but then, you, you, you know – but then it's like you'll I'm looking for closeout deals on stuff I don't even eat. So it doesn't how does the human brain work like that? I'm not it sure. doesn't make any sense, right? What, what plans do you have for that pork loin? What are you what are you gonna or you have no plan? Oh, you literally are you literally throwing it in the freezer and forgetting about it? No, yeah, I bought like eight of them because they had these pork loins on sale for a dollar seventy five a piece. Oh these boy. Oh wow, that's a hell of a deal. Wow. The normal the regular price on these was seven ninety nine. I'm interested. Talk <laughs> talk to me more about these. <laughs> so yeah, I they had these dollar seventy five tags slapped on them, and I thought it was a mistake. You know, sometimes they make a mistake, so I'm like, ooh, look at this pork loin, they fucked up. But then I saw all of them were Have, you, have you ever bought something because you knew it was a mistake, even if you really didn't want it? Yes, we bought we bought like the biggest rack of ribs I've ever seen in my yeah. life because it was the sticker was like it said like two ten on it even though I think it was supposed to be twenty one ten or something like that yeah 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 and I'm like we gotta get these but I was like why do we need yeah. we don't even like ribs that much I'm like we gotta get these I mean, come you on don't like ribs and you're two people and you're not gonna eat all <laughs> right. I mean it was like a godly amount of ribs I don't even know I'm not even I can't, I can't even I don't even know how to make ribs. I'm like not a good at making ribs I've made them before and they suck and they're no good but I was like come on it, this is supposed to be $21 we're gonna get it for $2 Got and buy. she's like she's like oh they're gonna know when you check out or whatever they didn't know no 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 no. they gotta they gotta honor that yeah exactly they well, they, they just scanned it and moved on they didn't even care yeah. they gotta honor that anyway that's the price on the fu- I got a roast one time for $0 because they the mistake they made is they put the price per pound, it said zero. And then it said like eight pounds or whatever the prost was. I don't think it was eight pounds, three pounds, whatever. And then three times zero, zero. So the final price on the fucking sticker was zero dollars. <laughs> now, I, did you want that at all or did you get it because it was zero? I got it because it was zero. Yeah, and absolutely. I fucking, all right, there you go. I did the McMahon swagger walk out of that. <laughs> oh, yeah, you knew. That. You got one over on him. Yeah, it's, it's. Oh, yeah, I got the fucking, I got a roast for zero dollars. I brought it home. I'm showing the wife. She's never impressed. She's just looking at me like, do we even eat roast? I'm like, it doesn't matter. We do now. Right. It's zero dollars. Family now. <laughs> We're a roast family now. We're fucking potatoes, carrots. I'm gonna fucking make this fucking roast, and you're gonna eat this fucking roast because I got a deal. This thing was zero dollars. So yeah, we're a roast family now. So yeah, I made that fucking roast. That's a free meal. You absolutely gotta buy it. Yeah, I. It just. Yeah, I'm walking out. I'm doing the McMahon walk. Oh out. yeah, yeah. You feel bags? Yeah, fantastic. Box. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, how did no one else see this? I feel like, like I, it was a great discovery. You know, how did everyone else pass it up? The zero dollar roast. So yeah, absolutely. I understand why you bought those ribs. Got to make those fucking ribs now. 
Yeah, you know, I did. They were terrible. They were so bad. I don't know. Oh, make, I can't make good ribs. No, I'm so You got to make them with close-out barbecue sauce and just complete the fucking... <laughs> just garbage-ass, like, yeah, sweet baby rays, close-out, like some expired... Exactly. Like, yeah. Generic-ass, like, or no, what's the, the Casey Masterpiece or whatever? Well, I'm trying to think of what the most just shitty well, the, brand barbecue craft, sauce would be. The craft one is like uh, 90 cents. Yeah, there you go. The craft barbecue. It, it's not right? from any region. It's just barbecue. Yeah. It's just craft barbecue sauce. It's like 90 cents. You go to the it's it's like it's one of those things where you go to the dollar store and it's actually more than it costs in the supermarket. <laughs> right. Because it's like it's like ninety cents in the supermarket, but the dollar store it's like it's a dollar, you know. Because you can go to the do- sometimes I'll go to the dollar store because again they'll have closeouts of like sauces and, and shit like that. And sometimes you get some you know, some good deals, some good finds, you know, of stuff that they don't make anymore or whatever. Uh, but yeah, it's like stuff like that. It actually ends up getting marked up, and you're like, wait a minute, they're fucking ripping people off. I can get that craft barbecue for eighty cents. You know, it's super, but yeah, that those are the worst bar. That's what you should. Is that what you did, or did you? No, I, I try to get a good sauce. I try to make, yeah, that like because I I know good barbecue sauce and I like, but yeah, yeah I got it. It's fucking terrible. I, I can't make them. I'm just so bad at making ribs. So ribs are pretty easy. I don't know why you struggle. I don't know. I, I struggle. There's a, there's a hang up there. The problem is like uh, Michelle's dad makes really good ribs. Like he's got like a, a pressure cooker that he puts them in, and then he puts them on the grill. Like he's got a whole little system, and they're great. So when I make them, they're always like not as good. You, you know. Yeah, that's the I issue. You. You're trying to you're trying to live up to the standards. So like yeah. the stuff that he's good at, I just don't make because it's like, look, I'm not going to be able to to, to to mess with that. You know, yeah, you look like a schmuck. Exactly. Because she's like, oh, my dad's are better. And I'm like, I know, I know. <laughs> so like I, I stick to what I'm good at, you know, the stuff that he can't make or the stuff that he doesn't even try. Like, that's right. I, I, I shine. And yeah, the ribs was a risky one because he makes really good ribs. And I was like, these are they're not going to be as good. And, and, they, and they weren't. So. You know the you know the weird thing that I can't cook for whatever reason is rice. I cannot cook rice to save my life. Mm, do, you have a, do you have a rice cooker? No. Might want to try that. It did. It it changed my life. Yeah, I try it on the stove. I I fuck it up every time. It's either I just can't make rice. I got to call on the wife for backup. The other thing I'm not good at is mashed potatoes. I make a horrible mashed potato. Seems easy, right? Boil the fucking potatoes. Oh no, dude! I, I I don't even if if she wants mashed, I'm like I, I just get out of the kitchen. I'm like, oh, you make them. Like I'll finish everything else and say yeah. you make mashed potatoes because <laughs> I saw like I get them and they're just like these huge hunks of potatoes left in there. They're like uncooked. It's like what? Did, how did this happen? Like it looks okay. like I have no idea what I'm doing. It, it, yeah. yeah, mine are so terrible. I get in that kitchen and whip up a fancy Italian meal, but I can't make mashed potatoes. It doesn't make any sense. I can't, I can't make eggs. I, mean, I suck at scrambled eggs. I will make you the worst scrambled eggs you have ever had in your life. I'm okay with the eggs. eggs and I don't are know. I don't know how. Like it's easy. It's two steps, yeah. right? Like, you think, but sometimes eggs can be tricky. You know, I got the yips. I got, I got the scrambled eggs yips. Like I know how to do it. It's just I can't. You know, I'm, I love Steve omelet. Sacks I there. Cra- I'm Steve I Sacks crazy there at second base. I just can't. Can't make See, with, the scr- with the scrambled eggs or the omelets, I get my problem is I get too fancy. It starts off as, you know, it's ten o'clock. We're watching Netflix, feeling a little hungry. Hey, you want you want a quick omelet? I'll just put some cheese in there. Yeah, no problem. Let's make some omelet. But then I'm, then I'm cutting vegetables. And- <laughs> I'm getting spices out. I'm frying bacon. I'm fucking yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's you know, I'm 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 chopping up fucking uh, parsley and fucking garnishing. It just it, I can never just keep it simple. It's always it's always got to be fucking fancy. And then it takes you know forty eight minutes instead of instead of ten minutes. But uh, 
what's on the wrestling agenda? We're just gonna do this. I'll do this. Ah, man, it's, it's getting pretty lengthy. <laughs> Thirty minutes. I liked it. I like it a lot. There's there will be a week I think where we can we can definitely uh, uh, do this. But we do have some wrestling to get to uh, this week. We're gonna start off. Uh, we're actually we're gonna talk about NXT uh, Takeover Portland. We're gonna review that uh, Rev Pro High Stakes. Uh, we're going to talk about that show as well. Some other news and notes across the wrestling world. Uh, Nakajima Suzuki, uh, a, a match we're going to talk about a little bit later. AEW's got a good show coming up uh, this weekend out, out of Chicago. Uh, but I did want to start off this show by talking a little bit about, and I know you already did it on the Thursday tier reviews, patreon.com slash voice wrestling, as well, voicewrestling.com uh, slash Patreon. But um, AEW, man, I, I, I got done watching last night's show, uh, earlier this morning, so I watched like half of it live, and then I couldn't watch all of it in the same time. So I woke up the next at five a.m. the next morning, watched the rest of it. Then, Joe, that was legitimately the best wrestling TV show I've seen, and I I can't even remember how long. Maybe ever. I, I honestly, it might be ever. I cannot remember a wrestling TV show where it ended. I hit exit on my DVR. Or I, I got up and I said, "My fucking god, what a wrestling show that was!" That was it, that that two hours, and 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 basically the run over the last two weeks. And really, they're run since 2020. I mean, they're on a roll, man. Everything is clicking with AEW right now. Are you in a similar wavelength there? Yeah, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling. I give uh, detailed thoughts on this week's Dynamite. And also, where as I burp into the mic, uh, that I, you know what? That was a meat burp, too. I tasted the Hot Pocket pretzel. I could, fucking I could smell and taste it from here, which is, is, is pretty insane. I got to get, get a swig of this Coke Zero orange vanilla. Hold on. Ooh, Chikara Coke Zero, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh man, you gotta wash down a meat burp sometimes. It was acidy. You ever get the acid? Oh yeah. Burp? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. my god, that was disgusting. Um, I'm regretting swiping up that cheese with my finger. <laughs> Comes to bite you. It always does. You do it though. Always you know. You know it's gonna pay later. You know you're gonna pay that off later. But um, yeah. So no, I think ever since the break, Dynamite has just been tremendous wrestling television and. Um, you know, nobody buried Dynamite harder in December than I did, mm-hmm. and subscribers know that. But I think since the break, it's been fantastic. And the last two weeks in particular, like, I thought last night's was great. I'm not even sure it was better than last week, which I thought was fucking great. Like, I think I prefer last week to this week, and I thought this week was, was phenomenal. So they're on a great run, and I think that um, the, the one thing about it is every single match on the pay-per-view feels hot. Yeah. And it's like, I made this point behind the paywall. But it's like, uh, you know, when you have a pay-per-view and a lot of people, you know, we don't remember because we haven't had major wrestling pay-per-views that needed to be built on television or what since like 2014 when the network came around because impact and ROH, I mean, yeah, they have pay-per-views, but, um, you know, they just, they're just going to do minimal buys and, uh, no matter how hot or cold the TV is, it's like the same group of people are going to buy them. But this is like the old days where this pay-per-view feels super hot. And every match on it feels hot. Not just the main event. Like the idea is to get your main event over to the point where people want to spend money. They've gotten every single match on the pay per view over, and every match feels hot. And it just feels like that this pay per view should do way above and beyond what the other pay per views have done for them. So I think it's a real good test case for pay per views in 2020 as to where will the build matter, or does AEW just have? 100,000 loyalists who are going to plunk down $60 no matter what. And, 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 you know, whether the build is good, bad, or average. And everyone else is sort of out of the mind frame of paying $60 for wrestling shows. We're going to find out real fast 
I think this is the perfect test case because the build to this pay-per-view has been so great that I think everyone would agree this is sort of what an old-school, typical, great pay-per-view build would be that would do an enormous pay-per-view number in terms of buys. Mm -hmm. So we're going to find out in a few weeks whether the landscape has changed that drastically in six years to whether it to whether that sort of thing even matters anymore or not yeah the, the thing and, and and yeah that pay-per-view man I, I can't wait i'm I'm obviously i'm going live and like i had this weird thing where that pay, you know that show was over and i think i knew it was i knew it wasn't this saturday i knew it was the next saturday but still part of me was like god damn i wish it was this saturday like i'm salivating waiting for that pay-per-view man and it's been a long time i, I go to a lot of wrestling shows and it's it's very rare where i'm like you know i, I look forward to every wrestling show i go to because most of them are solid and wrestling is great or whatever but like this is one where it's like i'm counting down the days man i can't wait i got friends texting me he's like oh my god i can't wait like did you see that match i can't wait like it, it it, it feels really cool. It's something that I haven't felt uh, in quite a while with with, with the wrestling show and, and really with the wrestling company uh, in a lot of ways as well. And 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 one thing that I'll really say is like, and, and you brought up the break, and I'm not exactly sure when the 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 the, the change really happened. The break's a good way to, to, to sort of phrase it. Like after you know the break, the new year uh, w- w- was a, a time where we can say, okay, from this point forward, I think when they got renewed by Turner as well, I think there was a, a, an extra comfort level. Because you've seen the last few weeks really get ramped up to a different level, but you know one of the things that I'll say is like you know this year, whatever we want to say, whatever line we want to say of of okay, from this point forward, it's been really good. Whether you want to use the break, whatever, is like the stars are being the featured X, which is something that we talked about from the beginning. Is like all right, you got the Bucks, you got Omega, you got Jericho, you got Moxley, you got these guys. Like those are your stars, Cody, obviously. I mean, push those guys, have those guys win, have those guys be the central figures of all these stories. And I, I, I get what they tried to do at the beginning. There was a while where, you know, Kenny was doing a losing streak gimmick. The Bucks were doing the you're losing streak gimmick. Cody was getting beaten down every night on, 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 on the show. And it was all to build the secondary characters, build the tertiary guys and stuff. And I get that. I get why they did that. But I think they, I think at the right time they decided, okay, no, 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 let's let the stars be the stars. And the stuff that maybe isn't landing or the stuff that the fans aren't reacting to or the stuff that really hasn't quite worked yet, we'll, we'll push to the back or we'll just drop completely. And I think that, to me, is, 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 is maybe the biggest change that they've done in this last whatever time, you know, the, since the break or whatever, is that the, the stuff that either wasn't clicking or wasn't working or that, you know, you and I were screaming about knowing this is not good, this is not what your fan base wants, this isn't, you know, that stuff's pretty well. I mean, the, the Dark Order is like completely irrelevant in the larger picture. I mean, they're, they're in the main, you know, the, the, the opening match battle Royal, they play a little part of that, but the overall story of that battle Royal has, doesn't involve them whatsoever. That's the bucks is, is the main story of that. And the nightmare collective is just gone. Like they just said, fuck it, we're done. And, and, and we're going to throw the towel in this. And that takes a lot of balls. Like a lot of companies will not do that. A lot of companies will dig their heels in and say, no, 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 this is what we're pushing. This is what we want. The, we're going to make stars. We're going to do this or whatever. And they decided, you know what? No, 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 let's, let's stop with that. And, you know, in that same breath, I mean, Adam Page and Britt Baker are, are two of the more compelling characters on that show, and they were dead to rights two months ago. You know, Adam Page was like, I, I remember the conversations you and I were having and, and the conversations I know you were having on the TV reviews. It's like, you know, what, what this guy's just, he's not ready for the spot. He's not ready for what he's doing. Like, maybe he's just got to go to the mid card. Maybe he's got to go to the lower. I mean, they fucked around, and this guy's a fucking star. This guy is like the biggest, like his pop was bigger than Kenny Omega's this week. I mean, they the guys, he, he they have made a bona fide star out of Adam Page. 
And it's it, it's again by changing the character a little bit, putting a little bit of refinement on it. Again, they could have dug their heels and they could have said, no, 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 this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. But they they changed it up a little bit and, and they got a star in their hands. And 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 Britt, they completely changed her character around. And in you know a month's time, we've we've seen a complete transformation of her to where you know she used to be the, the one of the biggest eye rolls on that entire show. And now I look forward to her segments. Like, do I think she needs to be pushed to the moon? She needs to be the biggest star uh, in the company. Maybe not, but I think she's very compelling and I've been really looking forward to her stuff recently. So it's, it's, it's been like just a full on offensive assault. Like everything that was, was bad has been sort of minimized and everything that was maybe not working has been sort of changed and is now working. And they've really done what I think is the simplest and easiest thing is just push the stars, Cody, Moxley, Jericho, Bucks, Omega, Page, you know, they, they just went with the guys that they have and, and, and it's, you know, it's helping because the guys around them are now getting bigger and better because of that Darby Allen is, is, is rising in the ranks and is, is a future star, you know, when they want to pull the trigger on that. I mean, there's, there's plenty of guys now where you see it and you're going, okay, yeah, they're, they're, they're stocked and ready to go, but it, it has been, it's been just a f- tremendous run of TV they've had lately. And, and, and yeah, like I said, we were. We were super negative on them in December because it was it was crap. It was it was it wasn't good. It wasn't working. It was getting too. It wasn't A to B bookings. Shit didn't make sense. Shit was getting changed left and right. And maybe they just needed time. I, I don't know what it was exactly, but this turnaround's been just tremendous because it, it is it's compelling TV. It's well built. It's simple, and it's and it's effective. And man, the crowds have been. I don't think it's a complete accident that the last three or four weeks or whatever they keep saying, "Oh, this crowd's really good," or "Wow, we got a good crowd here tonight." No. You're doing good shit, and the crowd's reacting to it. That's how it works, you know. Bad crowd, good crowd. It doesn't matter if you, if you got good shit, and 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 people are compelled to make noise and and excited, they're gonna make noise. But yeah, I think it's 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 not a complete accident that they've been talking about how good the crowd's been as of late. It's like no, <laughs> your shit's been good, your TV's been better, so that's why the good crowds uh, are there. But uh, yeah, it's it, and it's not like they, you know, there's not a ton of new different things they're doing here. It's a lot of simple stuff. It's a lot of very basic storytelling. That's all we've really asked from AEW is just be simple. Makes sense. A to B, you know, heel face stakes, you know, no bullshit, no cuck angles, none of this sort of stuff. And they've, they've really done that as of late. So I, I, I can't put them over enough for what they've done um, since this break or, or in the last few weeks. It's very well booked. Um, no, I've been steadfast from the beginning because you see um, sort of, you know, you, you had to give it time. Number one, I thought a lot of the complaints early on in the show, now, look, people were going to react to a, the shiny new thing, both positively and negatively, and I, and I get that. But um, some of the booking complaints, which you don't hear much of anymore or as much of anymore, um, to me were a little silly uh, that early on, especially when even from the beginning they showed um, a tendency to, to really pay attention to um, you know laying down hints and then paying things off long term and really having strong – mid and longer term directions. And we don't even know all of the long term directions yet because the television show is only like eight months old. So some of the things we haven't even seen play out completely yet. But you can tell that they've got a good idea of how to lay things out long term and then stick with them and 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 allow them uh to play out and there's there's clear directions and I, I, I like I, I like some of the little things too. I like how not everyone is on TV every week. I like that. You know, it's like Jericho needs to be on TV every week. Whoever Jericho is feuding with and building a match with needs to be on TV every week. Luchasaurus doesn't need to be on TV every week. Right. You know what I mean? Um, Kip Sabian, 
does not need to be on TV every week. Really, nobody or ever, else. Or ever, to be honest, but that's fine. I'm I know, just you, naming I know you're a Kip guy. I know you're a Kip guy. I'm just joking. Yeah. i a Kip guy? Where do you, you love Kip, Kip Sabian. Oh, you love Kip Sabian. I love Kip Sabian? <laughs> what, what is that? Um, no, but it's like, and I'm naming some deep undercard guys, but really it extends to everyone. I think there's three people who absolutely must be on TV every week. That's Chris Jericho, whoever he's building a match with, and Cody. There isn't an, a, another person on that show who has to be on the show every week. You can live if the Bucks aren't on a show next week. You can live with it if, you know, uh, uh, Kenny Omega is not on the show next week. You can live with it if Nyla Rose is not on the show next week. And, and I like that they, they kind of do, do, do it that way. And especially, you know, there'll be weeks where the Bucks aren't on. There haven't been many, but there's been a week or two where the Bucks aren't on Dynamite. Uh, you'll go many weeks without seeing certain mid-carders. There was no sign of Joey Janela this week. There's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, one of my complaints over the years with WWE is whoever's on the brand, they got to cram everybody on the right, show. Everyone's every- there every single week, no matter what. Let us yeah. be sick of let us be sick of people. You know, why do you think Brock still feels special? Because he's not on the fucking show every week. You know, and it's like some people complain about that stuff. Oh, absentee champion, blah blah. I like that. You know, I. I the, it helps you retain your star aura when you're not always around, you know, and maybe when Cody and MJF have their blow off match or they have their pay-per-view match, give Cody a week or two off. You know what I mean? And, and, and devote that quarter hour to getting something else over for a week. You know, I know it's hard because Jericho's your, your ratings draw. I get it. Cody's your biggest star. I, look, I understand that. So I'm not going to kill him for that. And, and those guys knock it out of the park every week anyway. But, you know, I, I think their roster is almost the perfect size for the amount of real estate that they're covering in terms of two hours on TV and the one hour on the internet. And some weeks you just, you don't see, and that's fine. Give us a chance to miss some of these people. Yeah. Well, I think you, you saw that this week with like Darby Allen. I mean, how long was Darby Allen really out? Like, and, and he was, he appeared on TV, you know, in those vignettes or whatever, but what was he yeah. out? Like three weeks? I think it was two, two or three weeks. Two, three weeks. He came out. It was the biggest fucking pop of the night. They're like, yeah, Darby. And it's like, you know what I mean? Like they, but because people crave that. They haven't seen him. They they saw yeah. the vignettes. They saw you know, and that's enough. Like that is something that I've I've been screaming about for for TV wrestling for so long. Is use the time in between matches to to put guys, use the time in between matches, create time in between matches. Don't just give me matches promo, match promo, match promo. Like that's really use that time to to, to do vignettes pieces about wrestlers do something to kind of tell the stories in between there and then those guys don't have to be there every single week they don't have to wrestle a 20 minute match every single week and and that was that was something that dynamite i thought had an issue with in the early part is like there was always almost like everybody would you would see them on the show you know a lot of times they'd be on that show and then they'd like wrestle like 20 minute matches or 15 minute matches and it's like it's all right like sometimes we just need to see a guy for a minute or we just see a vignette or whatever but this darby out that's a perfect example of like you took him away for two to three weeks people kind of saw him a little bit they knew why he was gone because of his injury or whatever because he couldn't speak. And he comes out, and it's like the biggest pop of the night is he's, he's skateboarding down in the ring to, to take out Sammy Guevara and, and take out the inner circle. It's like, that, you know, it's, it's when, when that stuff sort of lands, and it's, it's, again, it's very simple. It's A to B booking. It's stuff that's been done for years and years and years in pro wrestling. And, and, and yeah, people have shied away from it. it. Not just WWE. And like people think that anytime I say, oh, there's bad booking, I'm, I'm talking about WWE. There's a lot of companies that do terrible booking. You know, these days, like there's a lot of companies that have done bad booking for years and years and years. But we're seeing now with AEW that sometimes the simplest thing is the best. And sometimes the thing that had been, you know, had worked for hundreds of years can still work or stuff that worked during territorial wrestling can still work. 
There's a reason it lasted as long as it did. Yeah. And, and, and we're seeing that. It's really cool. Like, again, a little, a super little thing that just, I just absolutely fucking loved is in the Wardlow Cody match, Cody comes off the top rope with that moonsault, hits Wardlow, and then just pins him one, two, three. It's over. Yeah. Then pick him the, up. I made the same point behind the pin. Didn't put him in the crossroads. Yeah. Didn't motion to the crowd. Didn't, you know, Wardlow didn't kick out. It's just like he did this big move. He hit Wardlow. Wardlow's not getting up. One, two, three. It's over. Wardlow, you know, and the match wasn't 25 minutes long. It was like eight minutes or whatever the hell it was. And it was perfect. Wardlow had a few spots where he looked good. Cody emerged as, as the top guy after hitting a huge spot over the top. You'll remember the moonsault. You'll remember the cage. Like, that's all you're going to remember. And the blood. And the blood. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and, come and away the arm spot. Right. Yeah, and the arm spot. Yeah. There were the, yeah. It's, it's, you know, Cody has been really good about winning a lot of matches without the crossroads. You know, and that's good. Um, you know, he's won several matches without his finish. And the segment started with 15 minutes left in the show. So the match, you're right. The match was probably like eight to 10 minutes or something like that. And it's all it needed to be. You know, it wasn't like some great, amazing match. But like you said, there's moments about it that you're never going to forget. The blood, the moonsault, uh, the Arn cage spot on MJF. Uh, you know, those are the big three. And Cody is the biggest star in the company and he absolutely should win the match. I've seen, I haven't seen a ton of it, but some people are like, why would you beat Wardlow? But it's okay. That guy doesn't lose anything losing the Cody. You know, it's not no. like he lost to fucking Joey Janela in a mid card match. He lost the biggest star in the company in a match where Cody had to win. Cause he has to run this gauntlet to get to MJF and Wardlow has done well enough in beatdown segments. And even in this match to where, he retains his credibility. Right, it's heavies. We've seen that in wrestling history. The heavies are there to look great every yeah. week in between, and then they might lose to, you know, they'll lose to Hogan or they'll lose to, you know, uh, Flair. When I, like, that's fine. That's how, it, it, it's, it's okay, because then in three weeks, he's going to beat some guy down, and you're, you're, it's not going to matter that he lost in a cage match yeah. to Cody after Cody used a fucking moonsault from the top of the cage to pin him. No, no, not when the biggest star in the company, yeah, did everything, yeah, and you made him a bloody mess to begin with. You know, he lost nothing. And it's a long play with that guy anyway. He's one of their long-term projects. Yeah, right, right. It's just the beginning with him anyway. It's not a it's not a big deal that he lost at all. He had to lose. We all knew he was going to lose, you know? The worst thing you could have done was some kind of screwy finish or some screw job bullshit where you think you're protecting everyone and you're really protecting no Right. Oh, and, and the reason I was going to move that, you know, and I was going to make that exact same point with the, 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 the tag matches, everybody, everybody in the universe knows that the match is going to be the Box versus Page and Omega, right? We yeah. all know that. And that's what they, they just did it. You know, I mean, they had a great back and forth match. They gave you maybe a little bit to say, oh, well, I don't know. Maybe the maybe the Lucha Brothers are going to win. But then, you know, Page and Omega just won. And like you could have complicated it. You could have made it a triple threat. You could have had it a screw job. Could have had the Lucha Brothers win because, aha, they think, you know, everybody thinks that this is the match. But if right. this is actually like, no, just everybody knows what the match is going to be. The most predictable thing is sometimes the best. Just Page and Omega versus the Bucks. That's what everybody wants to see. Just make it happen. You know, don't overthink it. Don't worry too much about what people think. Just do the right thing. Do the simple thing and do the correct thing. And that's what they're uh, across the board. AEW is just like they're just, you know, Moxley wins all of his matches. Jericho wins, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. his things. Cody wins. it. Like, it's just it's not overthinking it. It's just giving people what they want. And, and again, like we always say, and you said it there, when you protect everybody, you protect nobody. When everybody gets yeah. over, nobody gets over. Just yeah. at the end of the match, decide who do we want to get over and what do we want people to remember when this match is over? Yeah. And it's like th that relates to the people who go nuts over the records and the rankings, which is like the right. dumbest shit. It's it's if you're booking properly, the records and the rankings 
take care of themselves. You don't even have to pay attention to it. Because if you're booking properly, Mox is winning all of his matches. And Cody is winning all of his matches. And the Lucha Brothers are winning almost all of their matches until they get a title shot. And then maybe they win or maybe they lose. It's like if you're, if you're booking properly. Rich, we do the New Japan book every year. Who has the best records? The fucking top guys. Oh yeah, it's not time. complicated. It's it's you know who does well when it comes to falls. The top guys. You know it's like um, you know so it, it, it's the records and the rankings. It's almost like they probably put almost zero thought into it because if you're booking properly to begin with, that stuff just just it takes care of itself. You know, uh, all these these people. Oh, now they have to think about the records when they book things and rank. No, you just have to have to push the right people and make them win all their matches. It's actually very simple. And then that stuff just takes care of itself. Right. It keeps you mildly accountable because like you just can't fuck around yes. and do it. But that's that's it. Like at the end of the day, hey, Moxley's our big star. So Moxley wins all his matches. The end. Like that's that's the amount of thought that has to go into it. Is who's yeah. our star? Okay, he's got to win more than he loses. The end. There you go. Like it's not like they're sitting there going, "Oh man, how do we get Moxley to four wins? How are we going to do that?" Like, just oh, fucking wins all his matches. The end. Like, yeah, it's, it's really not difficult. He beats Santana yeah. or Ortiz or, or whatever. Like that's it. Yeah, he just beats him. That's fine. Like, you know, yeah, you have to give uh, a lot of thought to it. It's just there's another little thing, and I don't even know if they did this on purpose or not. But you know, they have the Bucks win the Battle Royal, and at that point, the title match hadn't happened yet, but you know it's either going to be Page and Omega or the Lucha Brothers. But the thing about it is they, they do plant a small seed of doubt in the back of your mind because the Bucks have issues with both of those teams. So it's not completely, right, right, right. It's not completely outrageous to think that the Lucha Brothers could win because you're sitting there thinking, now, wait a minute, these are their rivals from day one of the promotion. You know what I mean? So it's like, Maybe they could pull the upset here. Maybe they will swerve us and go with the, the Lucha Brothers. Now, I have no idea if that was some long-term thing that they planned just to plant that seed of doubt in people's minds or if they just kind of lucked into it, but it still worked out. You know, so even little things like that. And, uh, you know, even Nyla Rose coming into her match as number one contender, having not lost a single fall since she lost to Riho the first time. You know, they systematically protected Nyla Rose from that point until the point that she won the title because it was very clear that their long-term plan, this is another example of what I'm talking about. When things play out with them, you see that it was the long-term play all along. Nyla Rose lost to Riho. Riho became the champion. Then Nyla Rose didn't lose a single fall between that point in time and when she finally faced Riho again and beat her for the title. And it's like, that was deliberate. And you could see that it was deliberate. And the announcers made a point to tell you that she hadn't lost a fall. You know, so it's like, they do plan things out long term. All of those things aren't going to land with everyone. All of those things aren't going to land with Rich or me or the people listening. But I like that they do plan things long term and stick with them sometimes for better or worse. And then when something is a complete abomination, like the Nightmare Collective, which just isn't working on any level, they had the common sense to abandon ship. Now, whether you want to believe that that was Kenny Omega's plan or the little PR tour that Cody and, and Brandy went on a couple of weeks ago to tell everybody that it was Brandy's plan. <laughs> That's up to you who you want to believe. Um, wasn't that weird? It, exceptionally weird, yes. That all wasn't of a sudden, hey, Brandy Rhodes on West Singles Over Live. Hey, how's it going, Brandy? We hear that there's strife between the VPs. We hear that the Nightmare Collective thing gets tossed out the window. And all of a sudden, Cody and Brandy are doing a fucking podcast tour. I mean, 
to, it's just it's a little weird is all I'm saying. But um, but yeah, you know, so they have, have abandoned ship on some things um, that, that haven't worked, so it shows that they're not completely rigid either. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. What I'm seeing is a television show that's pretty much awesome every week with tremendous mid to long term booking and a pay per view coming up where every single match. Rich, they've somehow managed to make Dustin Rhodes versus Jake Hager a hot pay per view. I know, I can't wait. I can't wait for that. <laughs> like, fans go crazy when they, when they interacted to it like, last week or the week before. It's like. Every match on this show, like that Sammy Guevara Darby Allen match, I mean, fuck, you know, it's like then the tag team title thing, the Cody thing, and oh by the way, Jericho's defending against Moxley. That's crazy, you know. And the other thing about not shoehorning everybody on the TV every week, you look at Down Card. It's something like Janela and Sabian. No matter what you think of the feud, if they were on TV every single week, you just burn through all the ideas in four weeks. But they have a match one week. Then you don't see them the next week. They might have a match the next week. Maybe they just do a backstage thing. Then maybe they have a match on Dark. And you get to extend these things out. You know? Whereas if you're putting them on TV every single week, you've got to come up with ideas every single week to keep this thing interesting and engaging and move the story along. You know? If you don't shove everybody on... It, you know, it'd be very easy to just have Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara wrestling each other every week in tag matches and singles. Then no one cares about the pay-per-view match. Then the pay-per-view match doesn't feel hot. But again, you know, you've seen that done in other places. You know, where, oh, it's like this need to just have it on TV every week. You run out of ideas. And then they're just trading wins and then nobody gets over. So that's another reason why you you space things out. Why it's good to have a roster that's too big for two hours. I don't think you want to have everyone on TV every week. You know, just to get back to that point and show why sometimes that 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 works to your advantage that you don't have TV time for everybody. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and this is universal. I mean, the show's been universally praised for the last few weeks, and I, I you know, they're not going to be able to keep up this pace, but uh, they've really found a groove, and it really has been since they returned from that break. And and look, we know that they they know. That December was not good, particularly that last show. They know that. And, you know, we had conversations with people where they were really reassessing things. That break came at a perfect time. Yeah, it did. Mm-hmm. It really did. Um, you know, it was it was planned ahead of time, but they weren't planning to have bad shows going into that break. And then I think they really reassessed. They took that week, that two-week period where there were no shows, that 13-day period or whatever, to really reassess uh, what they were doing, and they have really come out focused, and um, a lot of the bad habits have been pushed aside, and they're and and they're really they're just nailing it, you know. And and uh, Cody is still batting a thousand for his shit. Uh, that guy just gets it. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> it's the like people you know you hear it all the time. They're like, oh, you know, you can't be a babyface in 2020. Ah, oh, nobody like, dude, this guy, come on, get out of here. You just you're just too used to seeing bad baby faces. This guy is a fucking legend. He comes out of the fucking yeah. He looks like a million bucks at his entrance. He has the the most grandiose entrance you've ever seen in your life. 
you know, he's always out there, you know, like his father, you know, within an inch of his life, he's bleeding all over the place. And then when it's over, he cuts a great promo. You know what I mean? And, and, and you know, he, he had, it, you know, it, it, people that say, oh, you can't be a, oh, there's no, nobody, you can't have a real good white meat baby face anymore. Bullshit. <laughs> Look at this guy. This guy's the biggest fucking face in the universe. Like, they're, at one point, they're going to have to turn him heel. I know at some point he's going to have to turn heel. Oh, yeah, yeah. But right now, it's like, dude, they, they've like, struck gold. The yeah, they've yeah. struck fucking gold with him. Being, yeah. being the top baby face for sure. Yeah, and I mean, he didn't get over like this in Impact. He was over in ROH, but not like this. He didn't get over like this at all in New Japan. Um, you know, he obviously didn't get over in WWE, but it's like he's over for these fans. And that's all that matters in this promotion. Right. And it's like, it's like Carlos Colon never got over anywhere but Puerto Rico. What does it fucking matter? It doesn't matter. Yeah, he's selling out stadiums, so and, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. You know, it's like he sold out baseball stadiums for a decade, you know, in Puerto Rico. It doesn't matter that he came to the Carolinas and, it, and you know, it didn't really work. Or it, did, it doesn't matter that he had a match with Abdul the Butcher on a Starcade or whatever it was, and it didn't really work the way it worked in Puerto Rico. It doesn't matter that he would come to Madison Square Garden and just, you know, it didn't have the same kind of crowd connection because in, in where it mattered, his home promotion, where he was the biggest star to those people in, in their world, you know, he was a Hall of Fame level draw and, and, and star, and it's it's kind of like, you know, you might not get over in one place like you do in another, but we've seen that historically with many wrestlers, you know, and Cody just works on a mega star level for these fans in this promotion when he's presented this way. And it's not just a matter of pushing himself to the moon because there's a difference. He's, 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 the level that he's over matches the push. It's not like he's over pushing him. Right, right, right. You could argue he should be pushed harder. You should, you could argue he should be the champion if you wanted to make that argument. You know, and he's the only other person in the company where you can present an argument to me that he should be the champion instead of Jericho at this point in time. Because Paige is not ready. He will be. It seems like he's on the path. Omega's doing something else and doing well. And I don't think he'd be a better champion at this point. The only person where you can make the argument to me is Cody. So I don't even think he's over pushing himself because he's fucking, the, the, you know, he's, he's over to the level of the push. So I don't even think that's a valid complaint. So uh, all of his shit just fucking lands and works and his instincts, the, 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 the instincts, because I assume he's writing his own shit. So I'll call them his instincts, but his instincts and Khan's instincts for what's going to work with these angles and these stories has, as it's a, they're batting a thousand on it. It has all worked exactly the way that has been intended. And, you know, same for Jericho. So, and, and in hindsight, you know, it, it seems that Jericho being the champion was, was clearly the right call. I mean, he's their biggest ratings mover and it's, it's good to have a heel on top right now. So you could have various baby faces, whether it's Moxley or whether it's Paige down the road. And I mean, Moxley could win. I mean, I don't, you think Moxley could win, right? Uh, I do. I, I, I don't think he will, but he absolutely could. And, and that's, you know, to, to the credit to them, they've made him look like a million bucks where it's like, I don't know, he could easily win. Like, it, it, it's not a scenario. It's not like the Paige Jericho thing, you know, the last time where it was like no question that Jericho was going to have to win that match. It would just be an abject disaster if, if Paige won. No, I don't feel like that at all with, with, with Moxley. If Moxley won, I, I think they built him up for that. I, I wouldn't do it. I would keep Jericho there, but, you know, you could, you could have either one, really. Yeah, I don't know what the plan is. I know that 
with Cody never being able to challenge for that title again, I mean, I think you kind of have the same idea I have. It's like eventually when they roll out a second singles title, you put it on Cody, and then because he's such a huge star, he immediately elevates that title into something meaningful. So to me, I think that's the plan. That would seem to be the plan. You know, whether it's a television title or whatever you call it, it doesn't matter what you call it. It matters how you treat it. And I think if you eventually roll out that secondary title, which it's smart that they're not doing that yet, you let every, all the other titles get over first. You put it on Cody, and that immediately tells everyone, oh, that title matters. You know? And then you have a scenario where you, that, like you have in New Japan with the, uh, with the Intercontinental, or a scenario like you had various times in the history of, of uh, Crockett where, where the U.S. title really was meaningful. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. There's many times yeah. where like, the U.S. title felt like it was even more important than the main. Yeah, or, or WWF where the Intercontinental title was headlining the B-Tour, and it was truly meaningful. Or, you know, um, you could even take it further. I mean, a, a lesser example would be, you know, ECW where they would put their world title on a more gimmicky act like the Sandman or something like that. And then the TV title would be like Malenko and Guerrero and, you know, the wrestlers, you know, and then, you know. Oh, yeah, I grew, I grew up in the, I mean, my, my first, you know, ECW stuff was when Rob Van Dam was like killing it with the TV title. And I, yes, that's I think Shane example. Douglas was like yeah. the world champion, but he never wrestled because he was always, his arm was always in a sling. So I was like, oh, who cares about this guy? The TV champion's the best. Like, I just remember, I mean, he main evented every show that I watched for the first yep. few years that I watched, you know, ECW. So you made my point better than I did. You know, a few years later, Van Dam was the true top star in the company and he held the TV title, which elevated that. To, you know what I mean? So like you said, he main evented all the shows. You know, he would main event on TNN every week against Jerry Lynn, and he'd main event all the pay-per-views, you know, with the with the quote-unquote secondary title. So I think that would be, if I'm in the room, my long-term play with, with Cody is you use him to get another belt over. And then you get that secondary belt over, and you've got yourself a title that you can use to draw on television main events, or if they eventually get back around to doing, like... Uh, Bleacher Report Live, or, or, or what's the name of Bleacher Report streaming deal? Uh, BR Live, BR Live. If they ever get back to doing BR Live shows, which they seem to have gotten away from, uh, or if they ever get back to you know just doing stuff like that, you have a, you don't have to burn off world title matches. You know that's a huge advantage to have. We've talked about that for years with New Japan. It is such a huge advantage to get your titles over, you know, so that you can space things out and not burn things off. I think eventually that's what they'll do with Cody since he can never be in the world title mix again. So, um, you know, and, and, and I do also think I'd like your take on this. I don't, I would, I would never go back on that stipulation. I think it's important that the first stipulation they ever had in the company is adhered to forever so that people take the rest of the stipulation seriously. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I think Cody sees it as a challenge, like knowing Cody's personality, knowing how he books, knowing how he thinks, I promise that he said, here's what I'm going to do. This is the stipulation, and I never want it to be. This is my challenge, is that I will never have the world title. We're building this yeah. company without me being the world champion. And it's, uh-huh. it's cool. I, I like it. I love the idea of it, and I'm right with you. If, if in two months, you know, somebody challenges him, and Brandy goes, come on, Cody, do it. And he goes, I will, I'll go for the world title. Like, it's going to get a huge pop or whatever. But, like, the long term of that is like, oh, all right. Like, these stipulations. You know, I, I love the idea that, yeah, five, six years down the line, we're like, man, he really adhered it. Like, he really didn't never went for that title. I can't believe it. So, I, I'm right with you. I, I 100% agree. And, and knowing Cody, I see it I see it as him having really challenging everybody in that room to say, hey, figure this out without me being the champion, okay? 
You know, I can be the top star, but I'm going to be the top star without that title. That title is going to be, you know, we, we can build two stars then if I'm the top star. Me yeah. and then whoever the champion is, is what and, we're going to do. And I, I think there's a way. I do think there's a way to walk back the stip, provided you wait long enough and have the perfect story. But I still would not do it. You know, um, you know, the, 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 but you can't do it in six months and you can't do it in a year and you can't do it in three years. I think there'd be a way to do it maybe five, ten years down the line with the and, and, and the perfect. But I, I still would not do it. You know, it is it's because if you I think I think they're smart enough. Guys like Cody and Tony Khan are smart enough to know that if you establish that your stipulations are legit. That then you can use stipulations to legitimately draw money, right? So, um, and 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 I think that's why it'd be important to adhere to it. But all right, so that was our uh, AEW love fest again. If you want more of uh, of Joe's coverage on AEW and NXT, uh, which we're gonna get to here in a sec, uh, voicewrestling.com slash Patreon, Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. Joe's Thursday T reviews, uh, Super Brawl Tell All is off and, and running. My uh, quest to go through as many of the Super Brawls as I can over the next month or so. So that's uh, wait, what's it uh, called? Uh, Super Brawl Tell All. That's uh, Aaron I, Quinn came up with that. So I keep playing it. Super Brawl Recall. See, I, I wanted playing. to call it the Recall, but I had the Fall Brawl Recall. And I was like, yeah, it's lazy if I just make it the same thing. So I went to uh, our, our Discord channel, voicewrestling.com uh, slash Discord as well, and asked anybody if they had any suggestions. And Aaron Quinn, right out of the bat, because she's just the best. She was like, Super Brawl Tell All. And I was like, yeah, there you go. Yeah. There it is. Nailed it. That's <laughs> her. Like, yeah, it's perfect. That's her, that's her era of WCW, too. Oh, she's loving it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's even if she was the only one that listened, I wouldn't. I wouldn't care because she always gives good feedback. I know she's listening the second those drop. Like, it, I, I, you know, honestly, I would do this entire site for Aaron. Like, really, <laughs> like if if she was the only one that if it was her and Larry were the only two people that listened, I think I would still do this. That's her wheelhouse. Yeah, but I've been plugging it incorrectly every time. Nah, that's fine. <laughs> hey, you listen to something and we talk about Super Bowl. What the name is, what the title is, doesn't matter. Completely irrelevant. So, didn't you just do? Um, Vader Sting, White White Castle of Fear. I did, I did, yeah. You know, it's funny because I'm I've been watching WCW Saturday night and I've been watching from January ninety three. And that's a good month of WCW Saturday nights to watch because you've got the US title tournament, you've got the build to a clash champions, you've got the early formation of the Hollywood Blondes, you've got oh, right. Ar- yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got Arn Anderson attacking Eric Watts in a gas station parking lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And and you've got the build. You've got Vader winning the title back from Ron Simmons, and they show like the house show footage of that. And then you've got the build after the clash to Vader versus Sting, White Castle of Fear. So it's a real good month of WCW Saturday night. There's a lot going on, plus a lot of Cactus Jack stuff. A uh, a Van Hammer Tony Atlas feud um so there's, there's a lot happening in your research did you find out why they called it the white castle of fear because obviously there's a popular burger chain of the same name why did they call it white castle I, of fear dude i still have no idea i think because literally it was a white castle and i'm guessing yeah. that like because because white castle is relatively regional right like i'm i'm in one of the epicenters here in, in chicago so like i don't like i are they are they in Texas White Castles? Nope. So they're nope. not at all. So like if you if you ask TLB about White Castle, she'd have no clue. 
Other than well, like, the problem is Harold and Kumar and that sort of stuff. It's become in part of the lexicon a little bit. It has. I think Harold and Kumar, I think people from certain parts of the country thought that they just, it was a made up restaurant. Right. Oh, I did. I remember, I remember I had a buddy who lived uh, across the country and he was like, that movie's hilarious or whatever. And I'm like, you know, that's, it's pretty good burgers. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, White Castle. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, where do you get White Castle burgers? I'm like, at White Castle. It was like this, this conversation. I was like, they had, they're real. They're, it's not a made up thing. Like it's, it's a real thing. So I, I think, Pre whatever, what what Harold and Kumar, what two thousand two, two thousand three, whenever the hell that movie came out. Pre that, like very regional, right? So if you weren't in that region where there was a White Castle, you wouldn't know, I guess. Yeah, even now, I mean, but the thing now is they sell them in supermarkets frozen. That's true, right? Right. So now, every, now everybody knows about them. So um, right, but then you're right. Like nineteen ninety three, there were probably fifty White Castles, and they were all east of the Mississippi. Yeah. So I. I don't know if maybe somebody in Atlanta was like, ah, it's going to be a white castle in the rock because it was supposed to be in it was supposed to be secluded in the snowy Rocky Mountains. So maybe that's why it was white. So nobody could find it. <clears throat> so because uh, because Sting has to take a helicopter to the White Castle of Fear. To a I'm surprised. Party. I'm surprised the White Castle didn't. <laughs> it's a little weird. Yeah. Get on their case about it, you know? Well, that's what I always wanted. Like, because as a kid, like, I didn't, I, you know, the first time, or I, I shouldn't say as a kid, like, when I really found out about this White Castle Fear match was, was like through Russell Crap and stuff like that before the network, prior to the network. I, I had seen it then not that long after, but I assumed that it was a tie in with White Castle. It was like White Castle sponsors, you know, Super yes. Brawl 3. And I'm like, oh, that makes all the sense in the world. It's a White Castle strap, whatever. Strap it like somehow for some reason White Castle's like we want part of that we want to get in on this you know advertising campaign but um yeah it, it I there's nothing to do with White Castle whatsoever and, and like Dave Meltzer even makes a reference about that like I, I found the the Observer at that time and he's like I don't know why they call it the White Castle it's not a hamburger eating contest or something so uh, yeah. nobody's really quite sure I think because it was snowy and they were in the snowy Rocky Mountains I guess but yeah I'm, I'm surprised they didn't get like yeah they didn't get sued because White Castle's like uh <laughs> why are you using you know our trademark to promote your shitty wrestling pay-per-view, but um, I'm not sure. It's WCW, man. Who knows? They also spent like a million dollars on that trailer with Sting in a, in a, in a helicopter, you know, meeting Vader at the White Castle of Fear. Um, so who knows? The best part about that, by the way, I, I detail it, of course, in the Super Bowl tell-all, but the best part of all that, so doing this video, there's, you know, it's Sting has to take a helicopter to the Rocky Mountains or whatever. He walks in, there's there's babes and teased hair, and they're all rubbing him down and all this sort of stuff because Sting thought he was going to a party or whatever, and it turns out to not be the kind of party that Sting was going for. But um, Harley Race is there in all of it, and I just cannot imagine what Harley fucking Race is thinking. You know, yeah. that guy, the most vanilla, old-school wrestling guy is sitting there, you know, while they're filming this White Castle of Fear mini movie thing and he's probably like, "Hey, let's go on Vader. Come on, show him the like show him the strap Vader." And I'm like, "Oh god, yeah. poor Harley." Well, they didn't well, they didn't learn cuz later that year they do the the exploding boat. Yeah, right, the beach blast. Vader. Yeah, beach blast. They done the spin the wheel make the deal. They they decided for some reason that, you know what? We got to you know what the best use of our money is right now? WCW struggling WCW. Let's spend millions of dollars on these mini movies. That's the way to go. Cheatem, we need to have Cheatem come in as many times as possible. Wasn't White Castle of Fear still Bill Watts, too? Wasn't he still? Uh, yes. Yeah, because Eric Watts is on the show, too. So that's how you know Bill Watts is still in charge. Because so. I know Bill Watts is still cutting promos on the TV because I've been watching the TV. But I don't know if he made it. Well, either way, he was around for the build to White Castle of Fear. And that's really all that matters. I don't know when they finally got rid of him, uh, the exact date. But it's coming up. I mean, he's 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 gone soon. Um, but you wouldn't think that Bill Watts would. 
it's it's weird. Yeah, yeah it may have come. It may have been a top down thing. Like, yeah, people always think that that's like the you know Jim Hurd era is that bullshit or whatever. But no, Jim Hurd's era was another bu- bunch of bullshit in 1991 and, and 90 and 89 or whatever. Totally RoboCop and yeah. yeah, yeah, RoboCop and, and the Ding Dongs and that bullshit. But yeah. no, this is uh, this is I guess Watts's bullshit or whoever was immediately after. It may have been it may have been Dusty at this point. I don't know. It, I, I, but Dusty, no, I don't think it was. I think it was still Watts. I think it was Watts. He's still cutting promos on these TV shows. Um, right. Because, oh, yeah, when he was out, he was out. But like you're, like you're saying, it's not far after this. He's going to – he already made the terrible statement about Hank Aaron, like, you know, earlier in 92. And then I think he says something else in uh, in 93. And then they finally decide, okay, <laughs> I think we're done here. So News traveled slow in those days. Wasn't it the uh, – wasn't it they caught Wayne to the Wade Keller interview, right? Yeah, the restaurant owner, right? He was talking about some restaurant owner who yeah, uh, yeah. wouldn't serve black people. And, and Bill Watts was like, well, that's fine. It's his business. And WCW was like, ah, you know. Or gays. And he's talking to Wade Keller. And Wade had to like bite his tongue, yeah. and the audio. Everyone's read it, but if you can, if you ever listen to the audio, it's very, it's more awkward than you even probably think it is. Because then Keller just ends the interview like instantly. I mean, they had already gone like two, three hours, but uh, it's like Keller knew this guy was digging his own grave, and he was being insulted by the man at the same time. And I don't think Bill Watts knew that Wade Keller was gay. To top it all, and then and then it way just awkwardly, and then I think it ends with Watts saying, "I think I've said enough now, boy." And <laughs> Keller's like, "Yeah, uh, I think you have. Yes, yes, you said have. It all. Yes. I think his exact words were, "Yeah, I think you've said it all." And then <laughs> and then that was the end of the interview. So, um, and but again, news traveled slow. Then you know, it's like that. You know, it wasn't like the next day he got fired. You know, it this this took months and months. Um. But yeah, it's just odd that Bill Watts would, you know, condone. But you're right; it could have been like a top-down thing. Yeah, so. it could have been Turner saying, "Hey, here's what you got to do, pal." And and that may have also been a reason why <laughs> you know he he decided to bounce because I'm sure I'm sure Bill Watts didn't wasn't really great taking you know advice or or direction from like you know some Turner exact you know some Turner TV exec or whatever who's probably in there. So yeah, it's WWE. It's a disaster. But no, it's been oh, fun to. I mean, McMahon hired him like a year and a half. Later. Yeah, ninety five. Yeah, he was in there for ninety five, and he said, "I, you're not going to overrule me, right, Vince?" And he goes, "No." And he goes, "All right, I want to do this." And Vince goes, "No, we're not going to do that." And Bill Watson, yeah. "Fuck off!" I'm out. <laughs> like literally, like ten minutes weeks. on the job. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think he lasted like six weeks. Yeah. So, um, I'm trying to find the exact date. It just says all I can find is ninety three for when he was gone. So yeah, it's coming. Yeah, who knows? Um. Yeah, it was the uh, – let me see. He was doing an interview to – yeah, there's the Wade Keller. Giving an interview to a wrestling newsletter. They can't give the torch a little shout there. So, <laughs> um, explain the situation. Okay. So, yeah, because remember that that interview was a lot – was like 91, if I'm not mistaken. Right, yeah, and somehow time. people like rediscovered it later. And, and And he had mentioned it in his job interview, and he told Turner President – about the interview and the things he said, he, you know, full disclosure, and they hired him anyway. And then what happened was Mark Madden dug it up. He, Mark Madden That's is right. Mark, yeah, yeah, yeah. He tipped off Hank Aaron. So 
when Hank Aaron so got weird. Old. Like this is all real, by the way. Joe is not making this up when he dropped you just name dropped Wade Keller, Bill Watts, Hank Aaron, the you know, then home run and champion, Mark and Mark Madden. But this is not a lie. This is how incredible WCW is in its history and why I'm so sad that WCW is dead. Yeah, he so he brought it up to Aaron, and then Aaron obviously was aghast when he found out, right? He was disgusted. So but Watts says and then Madden was going around like puffing his chest like I got Bill Watts fired maybe they had heat or something that I don't know um and and but Watts tells a different story he says he didn't get fired for that um he says he quit so it might be one of those situations where I'm not fired you can't fire me I quit right, I exactly no right right yeah but he says he had issues with Shaw with Bill Shaw that's the Turner president who hired him um so, anyway, the end result was Ole Anderson, who was always seemed to be around at the takeover, uh, was the one who stepped in in 93. And then I guess, uh, did it go right from Ole to Bischoff in 94? I think so, yeah. I think then they decided, okay, let's let's get somebody that's not a wrestling guy in here or, or you know, get somebody that, that you know, knows <laughs> or can get, you know, top down, really redo this entire thing and, 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 and get things together. Because, yeah, once – what was interesting because once Watts was out, then then JR was out too because um, then JR would go to WWF. You know, actually, I, I had that in the Observer. I think I might actually mention that in the episode as well. But, like, yeah, Jared gets launched, like, right when – so it must be that month or maybe, like, the month after or or the days following Super Bowl or whatever. Because once he's launched, you know, Ross is out and then Ross does, you know, WrestleMania 9, obviously. He goes to WWF and does WrestleMania 9. Um, and then, he, you know, I was obviously bouncing back and forth after that point too. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I think then it went right to Bischoff uh, in 94 or whatever. So Yeah, I think it went right from Ole to Bischoff. I don't think there was anyone – well, he did not write the ship, by the way. He did not write the ship in late 1993. So. No. And then, yeah. And then he was like two years later, a year and a half later. Like we said, he went to WWE. But I, I really think that only lasted like. Uh, no, it was like weeks. It was like weeks or days or whatever. It was. Yeah. And, and I, he tells a story that Vince told him, I will never overrule you. You know, you you are here for your full creative mind and creative control and all that sort of stuff. So then Watts decided, I'm going to do this. And then Vince went, no, we're not going to do that. But, then, but Watts like, all right, I'm out of here. Fuck off. Like, right. Which is like, incredible. Yeah. Saw, yeah. Why am I going to stay here and bang my head against the wall? Because, you know, promise broken immediately. But um, yeah. So anyway, that was the. Uh, um, White Castle of Fear portion of the show. Yeah, the, the, what you came for, 1993 WCW booking. Uh, I, I that yeah, I, it's great. I loved it, man. It was awesome. Yeah, you, you had this good idea as well. I saw it on, on Twitter that uh, uh, we're starting to kind of collect enough world-class and enough continental uh, territory tapes that, man, I'm, I'm down to... I'm down for you and I watching that stuff and, and, and covering those. I'm, I'm, I like to uncover okay. the old territories, for sure. I've been hunting for a lot of continental because I love continental, but... On the network, and I didn't even know this because I haven't checked in a while, the the world-class library on the network, as my dog is hacking up a lung over here, um, I don't know if that came through. I can't, I can't hear it because my dog's crying behind me, so <laughs> both of our dogs are, are being assholes. So. The world-class apps are complete from like mid-92 through almost the end of 1988, which is pretty substantial. And there are no holes. I checked. The last time I had seen, there were tons of holes. and So they have like six years worth, almost six full years worth of world class on the network. 
They also have uh, Mid-South is complete from midway through 81 through March of 86, which is another good chunk. And Mid-Atlantic is complete Mm. from 81, also from 81 to 86. Now, the thing about Mid-Atlantic is really the lineage of that show continues on 605 and then through WCW Saturday night. And then if you really want to extrapolate it out through Nitro and Thunder, you can really do, if you wanted to, like a Jim Crockett slash WCW watch from 81 through the closing and have almost no gaps. I think there's a couple weeks worth of, or, or maybe a year and a half worth of uh, 605s that are, that, that, well, no, because the mid, mid Atlantic shows run through 86 on the network. And I'm pretty sure the uh, 605s start in 85. So they overlap a little. Mm-hmm. And then when they, when you run out of mid Atlantic to watch, yeah, those start in 85. So really there's no gaps. Oh, you know where the gap is? The World Championship Wrestling's the 605s end in 89 and the WCW Saturday nights on the network don't pick up until 92. So you're missing 90 and 91. If you wanted to do like a Crockett watch, you can go from 81 till the final Nitro and all you're missing are the TVs from 90 and 91. That's actually not bad. It's not. I don't want to ever relive like <laughs> late Nitro, but yeah, the early Nitro and the early early uh, uh, Mid Atlantic stuff sounds right up my alley. To, Just to hypothetically sure. is what I'm saying. Yeah. Because um, it's like I don't, you know, I, I I like these things to be complete, which is why I'm doing ECW. You know, number one, you know, I have an affinity for ECW. And oh, it would, and it would kill me if we did like 20 episodes and then we missed a week. You know, there was a week yeah. that wasn't there, and I'm like, oh god, what happened? You know, like right. nothing happened. It, did, it didn't matter if the December 15th, 1981 World Class Championship Wrestling tape was was nowhere to be found, but it would just absolutely destroy me that we missed a week. Yeah, but it's like, um, if we wanted to do some kind of watch behind the paywall, a light watch of just the TVs, we could do world-class, mid-south, or mid-Atlantic pretty much uninterrupted for like five or six-year stretches, which isn't bad. And the thing about world-class is it's it, those are the years you want. Oh, it's I great. Mean, yeah, I, it I've watched, I picked and choose like what was on the network when maybe it first launched or maybe a year after it launched, but the idea now that they're complete is awesome because like that that would always that would always stop my rewatches because I was like, I was big, I was watching a ton of like 82, 83 world-class or whatever, but then I would like hit next and then it would be like, what the fuck is going on? And it missed like two months or whatever. And I was like, Oh God, like what happened? You know, it just sucks to lose that time. So I like that. They're, they're a little bit more complete now. They're all there now. And it, and since it starts in 82, you're starting with Gary Hart booking leading up to, you know, um, the free birds turning on Carrie, And then you get the whole hot period. And then it ends like in 88 when they're declining. Like it's every, it's almost, if you, if you said, okay, you have to pick six years. These are the six you'd pick. You'd pick 82 to 88, and that's what's up there, easy and convenient on the network. So that's almost, you know, like the perfect scenario. And then, um, you know, the Mid-South, same thing, 81 to 86, there's a good about five-year chunk there. And yeah, the Mid-Atlantic. Now, the Mid-Atlantic TV show, if I'm not mistaken, I don't want to look stupid, so one of us should look it up while I'm talking. I'm pretty sure the Mid-Atlantic TV show eventually turned into WCW Pro. 
around 1987. I think that's the history. Um, And I think the, um, because it was, no, no, it turned to worldwide. Not pro. Uh, no, no, I think you're right because it, it says here oh. Wikipedia Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling, 1958 to 1986. Right. Uh, 1986 to 1994 was NWA Pro Wrestling slash WCW Pro Wrestling, and then 94 officially just becomes WCW Pro. I should have trusted my first instincts. So yeah, the Mid Atlantic show, and and on the network it takes you through April of '86. I bet you that's when it. That I bet you that is either the final. Mid-Atlantic branded show or close to it before it became... Then it becomes NWA Pro Wrestling because that's when uh, yes. Crockett and, and Georgia come together. Yeah. In 86. So so that's... If the network would start uploading Pro, they can pick up the Mid-Atlantic show where it leaves off in 86. And I know I want Pro, but I want the later Pro. I want the syndicated Pro with all the like undercard, with all the uh, lower mid-card stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the stuff that's interesting to me from a rewatch perspective, um, you know, Armstrong brothers every week wrestling, you know, disorderly conduct or whatever. <laughs> but, um, yes, the mid Atlantic show became WW pro, um, worldwide. What was worldwide? Something, um, melted into worldwide. And I can't remember, um, it was uh i think it was just world wasn't it just nwa worldwide wrestling or whatever i think it was always called that but it always was just, worldwide is that what it i was? believe so yeah let me hold on let me let me i'll, I'll click around here and see worldwide thrilling radio but i, I enjoy this i don't care what people think That's good. people like this people like this um yeah always it was always uh yeah wide world wrestling in nine in 75 and then it became, but then I think ABC got on their ass for why rule the sports. Yeah, exactly. They were like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly why. Uh, they say in 1978, quote, to avoid confusion with wide world of sports. I'm sure yeah. that's how the conversation went with this, you know, mega Goliath of sports television on ABC said, hey, uh, it's confusing to our. Yeah, I'm sure that's how it went. But anyway, uh, wa- uh, worldwide wrestling is what it became uh, in 78. And then it stayed as that until uh, uh, Bill Watts regime uh, was WCW worldwide. 92 is when they changed it. So. Yeah, and that was another good show for undercard stuff, um, you know, in the later era. Oh, oh, dude, there's some great – I mean, Monsoon Classic has some. and I, Like, yeah. that's my favorite thing to do if I'm, like, cleaning or vacuuming or, like, working around the house or whatever. I'll throw on, like, worldwide episodes, like – because he has them, in, you know, all in, in, in playlists or whatever. I'll throw on like Worldwide '97 or Worldwide '98, and just hit random, and then it's just like fucking, you know, Lismark Junior versus Ric Flair for some reason. You're like, what the hell? Like, you know, there's a Randy Savage Ultimo Dragon match that just pops up, and you're like, let's go. It's just incredible. And like, some of the guys work their asses off. Some guys know that it's bullshit, but it's just, yeah, it's it, it's it's fascinating. I love Worldwide. I grew up on Worldwide, man. Saturday morning wrestling, Sunday morning wrestling was my shit. I loved early mornings. Yeah, and then obviously the World Championship Wrestling Show, which was was what people call six hundred five, morphed into WCW Saturday Night. So, um, WCW Saturday Night on the network starts in ninety two. They don't really have a ton of it on the network yet. They have a little bit of ninety two and a little bit of ninety three. And World Championship Wrestling, they they wrap it up in eighty nine. So I don't know when it went from World Championship Wrestling to Saturday Night. Probably around. 90 or 91, which are the, which is the only gap in really the history of Jim Crockett that the network has. Because obviously you have all the pay-per-views and the clashes. You just, you have the flagship 
TV shows. You just don't have the like worldwide, like those shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have everything else with the exception of 90 and 91's TV. So I'm wondering what the holdup is uh, with that and why that gap exists. But um, But at any rate, as far as network, because when you do watches like for Patreon or something, you want it accessible to the listener too. Right, right, right. And and the network is obviously something that I think you know a good chunk of the listeners um, have network subscriptions. And it's just accessible now. Continental, which is probably my favorite territory, um, it's just you got to piece it together, man. I mean, I, there's just so much of it is missing. And, you know, the other day I found a couple of good resources and, you know, the quality is always shit, but I can live with that. That doesn't really bother me so much, but it's just all the gaps, you know, it's like somebody will have four months worth and then they're missing two months randomly or they're missing a couple of weeks here or there. And it drives you nuts because I'm more of a completionist. I, it bothers me, you know, I wish they had more Smoky Mountain on the network. You know, it's really yeah. Big. Oh, the, the amount I always I always scroll and I see Smoky Mountain, and I click it. I'm like, ah, oh, here we go, and it's like not. You know what I mean? It's just like not good. <laughs> it's just episodes that feature Jericho. Exactly. It's just a few episodes that they decide. Yeah, exactly. So that kind of they thing. all they all heavily feature the thrill seekers. So it's like they did some kind of. What I'm guessing is they they have some kind of Jericho special somewhere on the network, and since they were using all this footage, they just uploaded the. Smoky Mountain episodes too. I mean, that's my guess. Right. Um, and then they have one random one in '95 that features Cactus Jack. So they just have a couple random eps with bigger stars. But I would love for them to get the sm- now the Smoky Mountain stuff. You can find that though. That 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 is out there. There's and- one. Call, there's probably one call you have to make, and, and you'll get all that stuff if you really need it. So. Yeah, I mean, that's you can just go on YouTube probably and get every episode of that. Yeah, and this called Jim. Or James E. Cornette probably could help you out with that too if you need it. So. Oh, what you think he's going to be sending people free tape? <laughs> I don't think he's going to be sending them free tape. it anymore. I mean, but I see we get what you're saying. Um, but and the super shows, I mean, I have all those on VHS somewhere. Uh, <laughs> there we go. So you're the you're the missing link here. <laughs> well, I mean, but like I'm saying, all that stuff's pretty. Ex- <clears throat> Man, I'm I'm Meltzer over here. Um, all that stuff's pretty accessible though. The Smoky Mountain stuff's not hard to find. The Continental stuff is like. You know, there's just some gaps that just nobody has it, you know, until somebody dies and they find it in their attic on, on fucking VHS. I mean, you just have to get lucky, you know. Um, so, but yeah, anyway, those three territories, world-class, mid-south and mid-Atlantic, you know, if the listeners, you know, th- those would be the three, I think, because they're pretty complete for a number of years. There's a bunch of AWA stuff, but again, tons of gaps. But the thing about the AWA stuff on the network is they have all of the um, super shows. They've uploaded all of those over the year. And a lot of the uh, Christmas shows and all of the uh, – what did they call – what did what did Gagne call what – did, what did Vern call his super shows? Uh, Wrestle Rock? Well, there was the Wrestle – yeah, there was Wrestle Rock. And I, I don't know if they were all called that. There was you know the, yeah. the famous Wrestle Rock Rumble or whatever. Yeah, I forget what the other ones were called. I think there was different names for all of them. but They're all up on there. So um, – but but the weekly TV, it's like it's similar. Super to Clash is the what the thing. Super thing Clash, that's yeah, something. Yeah. The it's it's like so bad. By the way, don't watch them. <laughs> you always think they're going to be good, and they're not. I mean, they're good for historical purposes, yeah. but they're not good shows. Um, the uh, it's a lot like the Smoky Mountain uploads, where most of the AWA episodes on the network, they're just they're Shawn Michaels heavy. 
you know, so it's like they just uploaded every episode that featured the Midnight Rockers, basically. Um, well, not every episode, but all the episodes that are uploaded feature feature Michaels. So, um, let's see. So, you've got three different AWA shows. Yeah, there's some stuff from the ESPN show. Yeah, it's just basically all, everything. It's all Shawn Michaels. Um, so, you wish, you'd wish they'd fill those gaps, too, but... Um, I mean, the network over the years, they've, you know, you have the, you have the entire history of ECW and you got the three territories I just talked about that are pretty substantial. You've got, um, all of Crockett with the exception of two years. You've got all the WWF stuff, obviously. Uh, it, it's, there's a lot of stuff. You can never get through it all. I mean, it take a lifetime to get through it all. Um, so, I mean, we'll see how the network changes. You know, I'd keep paying just for this stuff because I always throw this stuff on randomly this older stuff. You know, I kind of wish there was a lower tier. I wish they would have like a five ninety nine tier for nothing new and just all this old shit. I would a hundred percent order that. Oh no. I, like I said, as, as long as those archives stay kind of how they are now, they're going to get my whatever amount. If they, if they said it's now $20 a month to keep these archives, they're going to get my $20 a month. If they say it's $30, they're probably going to, I mean, it's just an invaluable resource to just be able to pop that on whenever you want and watch, you know, whatever. So, I'm not a huge fan of a lot of the edits, but the thing is, I'm willing to make that exchange for the convenience. Right, exactly. Right. You and, know, the quali- so- and the quality is, is a big thing, too. Like you said, sometimes, you know, you, you, you load up a YouTube video and, like, yeah, even though, like, you know, real bad quality is not going to stop you, but it's, like, sometimes it's just, like, re- you, know, you can't even hear. It's only coming through yeah. one side of the TV. You know, it's got, you know tracking while it's happening or what it's it's nice to know that like hey look you know i'm gonna be able to pop on the network to hit whatever date i want and i'm gonna be able to see a pretty good you know quality uh image there so that that, that is that is important to an extent too so i was watching some pafo stuff the icw stuff from 1980 i want to say the other day and um yeah i mean that the audio you couldn't even it's hard to understand the audio it's just it's tough you know you appreciate that the footage has survived and is out there. It was a bizarre episode of TV. It was a, it was a, the entire episode was a six man tag match with Rip Rogers on one side and, uh, and your boy crusher Broomfield on the other, you know who that is, right? That's the one man gang from Halstead street. Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. Okay. So you had, uh, crusher Broomfield on one side. My neighbor, my neighbor. (laughs) Yeah. Is a six man tag and, and listen to this show format. It was six man tag till, uh, and then the winner was the most false till curfew. Now, listen. How long was the curfew? 10 minutes? They wrestled the entire hour show. What? But but listen, listen, hear me out. So, when there was a fall in the match, right? Like seven minutes in or whatever, Broomfield pinned whoever the fuck. Then they'd go to the desk and like interview a wrestler, or they'd go to like, they'd promote the show coming to fucking wherever the fuck, Illinois. And then they'd go back for the next fall of the match. And then they'd have a fall and then they would do all their other uh, shit. I see. I see. Okay. So then by the end of the show, it was like three falls to two or whatever. And then there was a winning team, but they wrestled for the whole fucking hour. And then they just rang the bell and oh, that's the curfew. And that's the end of our hour. And the winners are Crusher Broomfield and whoever the fuck he was teaming with. And I was like, I had never seen a television show format. It's really weird. <laughs> One match, but like broken into five or six parts. I don't hate it. I don't hate it, actually. You would have hated the match, though. Oh, I'm sure. No, it sounds like a terrible match, but yeah. The match was horrendous. I mean, it, it was, it was, but the format was interesting. You know, it's like, I feel like in a more creative way, you can do something interesting with that. But 
I haven't seen a ton of the ICW shows. I've seen a ton of the matches because there's a lot of matches. Like I've seen the Rip Rogers, Lanny Poffo cage match that people talk about as an all timer, which it isn't by the way. Um, I've seen a lot of the Randy Savage stuff, which I will watch any of that. I get my hands on because that's just, you know, classic stuff from his formative years. So I've seen a lot of individual map, but this was like, you don't see a lot of their television shows floating around. So I'm wondering if this was the norm, if they just always did their TV this way, or if this was something that they always did. Right. Yeah, I have no idea. So if anyone listening knows, I, I'm curious to know, but, uh, it was interesting. And I watched the whole thing and it was, it was atrocious. I mean, it was horrible. The match was terrible, but, um, and, and I mean, one man gang is a fiery young baby face. How about that? I mean, it's not often you <laughs> right, right, yeah. That size cast in that role, you know. But he was definitely on the face side, and he was like tagging in and fucking firing up the crowd and throwing his fists. I'm like, this is bizarre. But uh, anyway, subscribe to the Patreon. Maybe one day we'll uh, review all this shit. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, good stuff there. Anyway, um, I guess we got to talk about it. Port- <laughs> take over Portland. We waited an hour and a half to get to uh, take over Portland, but uh, hey, you know, I, I've, I've enjoyed the show up to this point. But uh, we got to talk about this. Takeover Portland happened on Sunday, not Saturday, Sunday. And Joe, like we kind of said in our preview, you know, we, we said, ah, you know, the build, there's, you know, it between on the build, yada, yada, yada. But we thought on paper it looked like it was going to be a tremendous show. And I think it was an awesome show. This, this was to me, and again, I don't know your opinion. We haven't talked about this before, but probably one of the better takeovers I've seen in, 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 in quite some time, easily the best they've had in, in the last year, I would say. And I thought just an exceptional show, which is interesting given my thoughts on both the opener uh, and the main event. But I thought everything in between that really delivered for me. And my God, if those matches delivered for you, like personally, this is an all-time show. I mean, this is the, the what, what was the worst match on the show? Really? Honestly, probably the main event to me. I, I don't know about you, but uh, again, what would you think overall before we kind of go match by match here on, on TakeOver Portland? I don't even know how to review these shows anymore. Um, these takeovers are so weird now because uh, it's like I watch the matches and I cannot sit here and tell you that the matches are not great, but I don't really like them all. I, it's so weird. It's first of all, I feel like I have to take like 10 deep breaths and prepare myself to watch a takeover because it's exhausting. It's an exhausting watch. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. Sense. Oh, for sure. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I, I know. And it, it got to me in the main event, and I'll talk about it when we talk about the main event too, where I was basically like, okay, this actually sucks now. <laughs> like, I went from this is awesome, this is awesome, this is awesome, to okay, this fucking sucks, and I want it to be over as soon as possible. And then it's like, if I'm exhausted watching a wrestling show and the matches all feel like they're too long, then are they good? Or are they what my idea of a good match is? And, and, but if a match doesn't work, then it's not good, right? It's like TakeOver is so confusing in that way because I used to just straight up love them every time and they were just great shows. But somewhere in the Gargano era, somewhere in the Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa era, they morphed into this thing where Gargano, the Gargano Tommaso Ciampa match style, the melodramatic, overwrought style has bled into the entire show. And now every single match is that. This super dramatic, uh, 
just thick. Thick is the only word I that's coming. It's like the shows are just so thick and heavy. And yeah, I enjoy the matches, and I enjoy, and I really loved you know two of the matches on the show in particular. But it's like I, I it's I can't even articulate it. I like dread having to watch them though. So that so does that mean they're bad? You see what I'm saying? Like, no, why? I, I do because, like, and and you know, not knowing your reviews or your ratings, but I think I kind of have a rough idea of them. Like, I think if we went down to it, I think you have like four or five four star matches out of you know six or whatever. But I get it. I absolutely get it because when it's over, it it it, it does feel that way, and that's why I you know I guess we can get right to the main event uh, and kind of work our way through there because I think the main event it was to me. The point where I was like, okay, what are we doing here? Like, because I, I did not, I, I hated this main event. I thought it was absolutely like, I still went three stars on it because it was like the effort. I can't say anything about the effort, but it's like, you know, 37 kickouts, a ref bump, interference, Undisputed Era comes out, a tease, a heel turn, a, a Panama sunrise off a table, a, a pile driver on an eight, like literally everything that could happen in a match happened in this match. And to the point, the problem and, and, and the big reason why this main event didn't land with me, and I think you might have this the same uh, opinion as well, is that had there not been this same style of match, the same exact thing happening throughout the show, that maybe then this main event wouldn't feel so exhausting. But this felt like a lot of the other matches on the show, but done to 45 minutes and done to 50 minutes, and then with even more dramatics and even more kickouts, even more bumps and even more heel turns and all this sort of stuff. So it's just like everything is just, you know, guys grabbing their heads after kickouts, Moro screaming, I can't believe that wasn't the finish. And it's like, I can. <laughs> Nothing's the finish ever. Like, of course I can believe it. But it, it, it this match to me was the biggest representation of, of it all. And, and, and again, like, I, if you want to argue that some of the other matches had it as well, I, I wouldn't argue with you at all. But this one, it just... You know, you said heavy, raw, whatever you want to say, but it's just like everything feels like it has to be epic. Everything is just in this emotional drain that 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 that's just every match is just the biggest thing that's ever happened, the only thing that's ever happened. This epic, this unbelievable struggle for for humanity and mankind and all this, and it's just like sometimes I just want an A and B wrestling match. You know what yeah. I mean? Sometimes I just want a wrestling match, and that's to me what what and, and a big reason why I really liked the match prior to that, the the, the Riddle Dunn Undisputed Era, because it was just like it was just a fucking tag match where the team won and a team lost, and it, like it had some of the tropey stuff or whatever. There was a bunch of kickouts or whatnot, but it just felt like a match. It just was A to B. Here's the winner. But so often NXT can't do that, and these main events have just gotten so ridiculous with this. We're like halfway through this match, which I I enjoy to a point. I decided, okay, I I think I'm kind of done with this entire style, and I think I'm kind of done with this entire thing because it's just too much for two two and a half hours, three hours, yeah, three hours now. Th- that's the other thing. It's like. The takeovers used to be a neat and tidy four matches, two hours, you know, and it's like they slowly started to extend and now they're all over three hours and every match is too long. And the main events, the NXT main events are the best matches that I just do not like. I recognize that. I don't even know how to explain this anymore. I mean, it's like it's like they're the best matches that I just cannot get into right i would say that they're great matches if you haven't either watched all the other ones or watched this entire show if you just if you just plopped into adam cole tomaso champa and you hadn't watched nxt tv you haven't watched the most recent takeovers you didn't watch all of takeover portland it's probably a fucking great match you know what i mean like you're watching like whoa the kickouts whoa this oh my god like so much is happening this is awesome and like you know it all is technically good it's all technically very very good 
But like you're saying, and and this is you know some of the matches I 100% agree with you. Maybe went a little bit too long, didn't click on 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 the level. Maybe a little bit too epic or whatever. But for some reason, it was really not. It was just this main event that really I decided. No, you know what? I'm not enjoying this. I enjoyed the other stuff before that. Maybe because it felt new and fresh, at least on this night. But that main event, I, I there's just absolutely no defending it. It, it to me, it, it's just too long, too epic, too weighty, just too much. It was just everything about it was just ah. I just I I, I will I'll never watch that match again. But ever. I feel but I feel dirty saying I didn't like it, and I feel dirty saying I liked it. I I, don't, I never know what to make of these main events anyway. It's just everything doesn't have to be this emotional roller coaster. Which is, you know, it, life and death struggle. This is my life. This is my career. Yeah, this battle is battle of everything that's good and evil. And- <laughs> essence of my existence. It doesn't have to be rich. How bad? I just want a Bobby Roode Hideo Tommy match. I, I, I really yeah. long for the days of going there and give me a, a twenty-minute fucking world title match where it's about who wins and who loses, and it's not about you know Tommaso Ciampa's legacy as a human being and whether Johnny Gargano can sleep well at night. I just, I've had it with this. Right, right. It, it's just so much, you know, and, 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 the, you know, the, every match is wrestled in the same style. And, it, and, and it, 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 it's like, like you're saying, when it's happening down card, when Dakota Kai, when, when Tegan Knox is like, I've got Dakota Kai beat, but, I've got to send her a message instead because this is my livelihood and she was my friend. It's the second match on the card and we're going <laughs> right. to do it in the main event. Why are we doing it? You know what I mean? And it's well, like, I had a thought about the, the opener too, but we'll get to that when we get to it. All of them. You could have picked any one of them. But my point here is like when it's up and down the card, it, it, it absolutely takes it away when the main event is a double the length and the same exact fucking match. And it's the same main event that they have on every one of these takeovers. You just insert a slightly different. It's always Cole Gargano and Ciampa. And they all I was going to say, I, there's not really different people like, to insert. Like It's kind of the same, same just people. Three of them, and now Ciampa and Gargano are going to have another. Oh, thank God. I can't wait. I can't wait. And here's the thing. They're going to have these matches that like, yeah, they're executed well, and there's a lot of drama, and they're good matches, but it's like, do I want to watch? I don't. I have no interest. Right. I've kind of become bored of good matches. I, I it, it, 2020 is the year where Rich just doesn't want good matches. Rich wants important, meaningful matches, matches that make sense, short-ish matches, matches that get to the point. You know, that's yeah. what I've become. I mean, I'll tell you what. I've definitely become bored of the NXT TakeOver House style. There's no question about that. Yeah. And their idea of, a, you know, and it's like, Look, it's over like crazy to the live crowd. So what they're doing works. And these characters are over to that fan base. I I talk about this behind the paywall all the time. I have zero. I am so indifferent on Tommaso Ciampa. I am so sick of him. Mm-hmm. I think everything is just so weighty and emotional, and I can't take it anymore with him, whether he's a face or a heel. Um, I, you know, I've, I've no... No use for him. And Gargano is now the same way. And Cole is getting there. I just, you know, the three of them, I just, I can't. So I don't know. I have really weird feelings about these takeovers now. You know, it's, they're weird fucking shows because they're like, it's hard for me to say they're not great, but it's also great shows, but they're also not great. Yeah. It's it's hard for me to say that I'm like, I mean, 
if if it really is great, then why am I like constantly pressing on remote my remote to see how much time is left because I want it to end? Yeah, it, it's weird because yeah, you're right. They're like objectively good, but like emotionally bad for me and and other yeah it's it's very very weird and and that's that's kind of that that exact thing hit my brain during this main event where i was just like fuck this i'm done with this like i'm over it i don't want to see this ever again like and i liked a lot of stuff you know honestly this match was almost like punch for punch in a lot of the moments was the adam cole johnny gargano match from from takeover new york the match that i voted match of the year that was my favorite match last year but it's like that's the reason why i dislike this one so much because i was like really you're doing like literally the exact same thing like step for step like I was seeing like the exact same move where the exact same guy runs in and the exact and it's like what are we t- like you now you're wasting my fucking time here because you're bringing old shit back and just doing it the same way <laughs> and this you know and, and now going back to Gargano and and and, and Champa like come on who in the world who in the world wants to see these guys fight again how can I really be looking forward to three more matches between those guys because yeah it's not going to be one that's the thing you know it's not going to be Gargano gets his or Ciampa stomps down Johnny Gargano and then that's the end of it like it's not going to be one match it's just not how they do it well and it's like said in the preview too why would I ever root for Tommaso Ciampa in this scenario yeah he literally tried to kill this man many times and but then he got hurt though Joe so you gotta you know yeah he comes back all of a sudden I'm supposed to like he's the good guy here why I mean Gargano should still fucking hate this guy and hit him in the face with a belt. I don't know, but that's not even either here nor there. No, but, yeah, but uh, also that finish too, the, the, the Gargano. Um, and I know it's like one of those things that like it's wrestling. You have to kind of suspend your disbelief. But I'm not going to suspend my disbelief that Johnny Gargano, after 40 minutes and 52 kickouts and a ref bump, decided, okay, you know what, I got to get out there. I gotta, you know what I mean? Like that's the time you decide to come out. Right. Like, if like, you're trying to screw the guy over and cost him the match, I maybe would have done it maybe 10 minutes in, 15 minutes in. I would not have waited for 57 kickouts and decide, okay, I got to get out there. This thing is getting out of control. Like, Yeah. Like, if the goal, if, if Gargano knew going in, and I haven't watched I, I, I haven't watched this week's NXT yet, so I can't say if the, but did they explain, did Gargano do the I don't know you an explanation thing, or did he not even come out at all? Gargano wasn't even on the show. Okay, so there you go. <laughs> so no follow-up whatsoever. Anyway, if he does the, you know, I decided in that moment that I didn't want him to have this glory or whatever. Like, I, I, I just, I have a tough time believing that the, the best thing to do was Johnny to wait all that time <laughs> then to come out. Yeah, but again, I know that's a wrestling thing and people say you got to suspend your disbelief on that. But do I? I don't know. Do I? They're going to have, like, these great matches that, I feel like I'm supposed to like, and I don't like them. That's what they're gonna do. This Cole, Gar- this Cole match, this Cole Tommaso Ciampa match. I have a- here's my notebook. Uh, you want the you want to know the rating I have for yeah, it? Yeah. Four question mark. <laughs> I think four. Because it's like I can't sit here and tell you it wasn't a great match. No, it was good. It was really good. But it was overbooked and just. I didn't care about any of it and all the shit we just talked about. I, I, I never know what to do with this stuff. All I know is, is I don't, not what I want anymore. I don't want any more of this, you know, and it's, uh, and I don't think Morrow screaming the entire show helps either. And not from the perspective of Morrow's annoying with his pop culture references and Morrow never tones it down, but it's like, the volume can't be 10 the entire time. But the thing is, that's the way the matches are structured. So on one hand, I don't even blame him. 
I guess. But yeah, but yeah, that's what I mean. Like the kick out happens five minutes in, and it's oh my god, I can't believe he kicked out of that. <laughs> but it's still like, that's part of why it's exhausting because he's forced. Not like he probably he probably do, listen. I'm not giving him Bennett, but I'm just saying the way the matches are structured, he's kind of forced to treat everything like it's epic the entire time because right. the matches are laid out like they're like every moment of every match is epic. Takeovers used to have squash matches. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. There'd be Enzo Amore versus, you know, fucking whoever. <laughs> Kevin Owens beat up, you know, CJ Parker in two minutes. Yeah, and just throw something in and at least broke it up a little bit. And, and, and guess what? We all thought they were great shows. Did we not? Oh, we did. Yeah. From the beginning of the, they were always. And it's like, I don't want to sound like I'm a spoiled wrestling fan. Oh, you're giving me too much great wrestling. But the problem is when it's all done in the same style, it's exhausting. And maybe if the shows were only two hours instead of three, it wouldn't be that bad. Right. If you eliminated three of these matches. Yeah, we had, th- we had three matches over 20 minutes, two over 25 minutes. And the others were all, everything was over 10 minutes, 16, 13, 13. I mean, like, nothing got in and out like, quickly. There's no interviews. It's just match after match that's excessively long and balls to the wall. There's no, I was watching... Man, and I'm not trying to be fucking Jim Cornette, old guy, the way it used to be. I mean, I think people know us well enough that they're not going to think that this is what we're doing. But I was watching a 1985 Madison Square Garden house show. And the opening match was Les Thatcher against Scott McGee. Mm. And Rich, they just chain wrestled for, for 13 minutes. If you know anything about Les Thatcher, you know exactly what the match was. Okay. He's 51 years old at this point, but still in better condition than I'll ever be in my life. And they just chain wrestled for 13 minutes until McGee caught him and he pinned him. And Thatcher's like smacking the mat like he got me, you know, and it's like that's like I'm not saying we need to go back to that. But my point here is there was structure to the card. Those two guys didn't go out there and do what Lee and Dejakovic did, you know, and it's like and again, I don't think. Lee and Dejakovic should go out there and chain wrestle for 13 minutes and, 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 and not steal spots from the main eventers and all that sort of jazz. And I, I understand that wrestling is what it is now. And that's, but my point here is these takeovers could stand for a little bit of match structure. Absolutely. Yeah. Just, just agents knowing what the other guy's doing. And card, I meant card structure, not match. You get right, I'm right, right. Yeah. Like, Hey, are you doing a Canadian destroyer on the apron? Cool. Then we won't, you know, <laughs> like just little stuff like that where, you know, or, some or, you know what? your match is going to be eight minutes. And your match is going to be um, this kind of a style of match. And, and it's like every, but everything has to be epic. An epic struggle of your existential existence. All in, and it, uh, all is dependent on the outcome of this match. Like, enough. Enough already. Sometimes it can just be about, I want to, there's two guys wrestling. And and they want to prove who the better wrestler is. And then they, one guy wins and the other guy doesn't. And one guy moves up the card and the other guy doesn't. One guy wins a title. and the, I mean, it's just too much. It really is too much. And I'm someone who likes great matches and has a dopey notebook where I rate all of my fucking matches. I, I am a work rate nerd and it's too much for me. So it's like, Rich, if this stuff is too thick and heavy and overindulgent for us i can only imagine why it's run off some other people who yeah who don't dig it either but it's like and now we're going to review it and i'm going to tell you why i liked all the matches but it's like <laughs> right exactly with with the idea that you also hate watching it <laughs> it's 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 i'm right with you though 
but they're all the same. Like I watch Wrestle Kingdom and there's like six great matches in a row and they're all different. Right. There's a junior match and there's a, a takeover style emotional main event. And there's a fucking Shibata Goto match where they just beat each other's brains in like a never match. And there's a tag team and they're all a little different. There's a Minoru Suzuki match, which is nothing like the fucking Willow Spray match, which is nothing like the emotional Tanahashi Okada match, which is nothing like the fucking Kushida. Do you see what I'm saying? And it's like, so I don't mind the show. I want every show to have a bunch of great matches, but they, I need them to be different from one another. And there's just not enough of that on these takeovers. Everything is like we've been describing. And man, is it, it's draining just talking about takeover. But uh, you think we did enough on the main? You want to go through everything else? Yeah, let, let's do that. Let's, let's, I'm going to start from the top and kind of work our way down. I, I just we had to talk about the main event too uh, uh, first here. But uh, we'll start with Keith Lee and Donovan Dijakovic for the North American Championship. I imagine that you like this match a lot more than I did because everything that you were complaining about, everything that you're talking about, where it's just like everything had to be this just giant thing and this giant theatrics and all this. I thought that in this match, it was just like, I, I, if you've seen one of these matches between Lee and Dijakovic, you've seen a bunch. I talked about it in the preview. I'm sure you liked it better than me. I'm sure there's a lot of people that liked it better than me. I just, I, 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 I don't know if I can do big guys do kind of flip things again. It, it like literally like spot for spot stuff that they've done prior. None of it to me looks all that good. And I don't know. These are not my type of matches. I know some people love them. It's not me, and I, I didn't like this one. It came across real soulless, real empty, and, and pretty worthless to me in the end. And now especially worthless now that on TakeOver or on, on NXT this week, uh, they just decided, hey, let's fight again. <laughs> I was like, okay, perfect. So. Yeah, I like this better than you because um, I like the style of match that these two guys have, just two monsters doing monster things to each other. Now, it wasn't the best match they've had, but it was the best finish they've had because I think at least they added a new wrinkle to the finish in that – it wasn't just the final bomb wins. It was the Jakovic's back gave out and he was, you know, trying to hit the feast your eyes, but his back gave out on him and he couldn't. And then Keith, that left the opening for Keith Lee right. to finish him off. So, um, from that perspective, because he hit the Spanish fly, I think it was the Spanish fly off the top and then they to set up the feast your eyes, but then his back couldn't hold up the weight. Um, so yeah, I I liked it. It wasn't their best, and yeah, all of their matches are very samey. So it really comes down to whether you're on Rich's side, where you just don't like the match style, and or my side, where you really dig it. That's where you're going to fall on these. This wasn't any different from their previous stuff outside of the finish. And yeah, on this week, Djakovic came out and he said, "Hey man, I would have beat you if my back didn't give out." And Keith Lee was like, "Well, your back did give out, so I did beat you." And yeah, it looks like they're going to have another match. So that'll be, what, five or six? So it's like they had the three-match series on NXT, and then they had, I think this is the fourth, so they'll either have, and I might even be missing one. And if you followed these guys on the indies, they had matches on the indies. So you're like Rich, you're really worn out on it. But um, yeah, no, I liked it, though. I This was probably my second favorite match on the show. I'll move to the street fight here, Dakota Kai versus Tegan Knox. As you said again, this was um, another epic battle for you know two former best friends battling to yeah. the side. But all, all told, I kind of enjoyed this. I went four stars on it. I thought it was pretty brutal uh, in a good way. Uh, a lot of 
real good, you know, weapons. I've seen a lot of plunder matches, and I'm real sick of plunder matches. I think they did a pretty good job uh, recreating a plunder match here. There was a few spots that were a little wonky, and the finish, obviously, uh, is kind of eye-rolly as well. But I thought a lot of the stuff in between there, the the shots with the weapons, all came from, like, a real, you know, it's a weird, like, wrestling is such a weird thing where, like, you know, best friends, like, real-life best friends, usually do the best job of, like, kicking the shit out of each other and making it look great. For whatever reason, God only knows why. <laughs> Again, it's the weird world of wrestling. And I kind of felt that here too, where they just like, they just wailed in on each other and hit each other with shit and did all this sort of stuff. So I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a pretty solid back and forth match. Again, like the finish kind of eye rolly, but, but ultimately I, I, I enjoyed it. I went four stars, as I said. I think the reason is when people are real life friends, they're not, they, they're not afraid to potato the other person because there's more leeway there. Right. You hit me and it's like, ah, it's all good. Whatever. You know, we've, we've, yeah, we've, we've been on the road together. I know you didn't mean to hurt me. It's all good. Like, you know, we know each other. We're going out there to have a great match. And if we have to beat the shit out of each other along the way, it's understood because we know each other. It's cool. You know, I think there's kind of that mindset to it rather than you're working with someone you met a month earlier and it's like, ah, eh, you know, you're going to be, so that might have something to do with it. But, uh, you ready for my hot take? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. What do you got? I've been saving this hot take since I watched this. Um, uh, I thought this was on its way to being the best women's match in WWE history until the finish. Holy shit. <laughs> I wow. love it. Um, you want to, and, and for a lot of the reasons you said, the work was so intense and the shit looked stiff and believable. Yeah, some stuff was sloppy, but good sloppy. You know what I mean? And like, like, like there were just two women with their socks tucked into their boots beating the fuck out of each other. Let me tell you something. When you consider the build and Okay, so I saw Roderick Strong and Velveteen Dream come out on TV this week after Velveteen Dream has been talking about fucking the man's wife and making really creepy yeah. comments about his child, um, which I think they need to have him tone down maybe. Um, and and all of this, the way they built that feud and Roderick Strong wanted to kill this man and then Strong's throwing holds on him. And I'm just like, I kind of get it because he wants to make him submit because he wants to just humiliate him and not pin him. You see what I'm saying? So right, I right. kind of But at the same time, Kai and Knox came out and fought. That was a fight. And it's like the intensity, their work was incredible. I thought um, they were laying in on each other. And it just got a little overindulgent towards the end. I did not like Knox foregoing the pin because she wanted to like, you know, we talked about it already. And I didn't like trying to literally break her neck. Like I want to kill my my former friend because she turned on me. Yeah, and I'm okay with that, but not in the way that they do it in NXT, right? Where it has to be fucking theater time, and you have to tell the fucking audience that you're. You know what I mean? It's the overindulgent shit that bothers me. Just if you want to kill her, just fucking kill her. I don't mind giving up the win because you'd rather punish someone, but not in the way that they do it in NXT. So I rolled my eyes at that, and then when fake Sonya Deville came out. Did you think that was Sonya Deville? 100%. 100%. There's people that are arguing about that. No, it doesn't look anything like Sonya Deville. It's obviously Reina Gonzalez. I thought oh, 100% it was Sonya Deville until they zoomed in and Nigel McGuinness went, that's Raquel Gonzalez, which yeah, her yeah, name has never been Gonzalez. that. Yeah. I'm wrong the first time because no one knows who this fucking person is. Right. How am I supposed to know who that person is? Okay, unless you're a fucking Largo Loop nerd, you don't know who that well, you person read Square is. SquareCircleSirens.com. You learned that Reina yeah, Gonzalez I mean, got a new name. So Yeah, I mean, that would be like... That would be like getting on someone's case because they're a casual New Japan viewer and they mixed up two of the 
young lions. Yeah, they didn't know Gabriel Kidd or uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Or, or like you know, back when the young lions debut and they all have the shaved heads. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you mixed up Uamura and Kawato. What kind of fan are you? It's like you're a casual. Like, no one, you can't <laughs> right. expect you to know, know that. Like, how am I supposed to know who you said Reina Gonzalez? It wasn't even Reina Gonzalez. It was Raquel Gonzalez. No, but her old name was Reina Gonzalez. Oh, it's the same person? Yes. <laughs> you don't even know that. <laughs> like, like, these people act like. Clearly, you're, you're showing yourself as not a Square Circle Sirens reader. Yes. Uh, th- this week, I, they announced I, that Reina Gonzalez had changed her name to Raquel Gonzalez. So. Yeah. I've been doing a pro wrestling podcast for eight years. I think I know a lot about pro wrestling. Okay. You can't know it all. And I'm sorry if I'm not up on the fucking Largo loopers, especially when one of them completely changes their look the way she has. That's the other thing. She looked like fucking Sonya Deville. No, I'm sorry. I thought it was, I thought it was Sonya for sure. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm typing my review. Cause I did the review for voice wrestling.com and I'm like, the fuck is Sonya Deville doing out here? Like this, this is weird. I don't know why this is happening, but this is it. And I, and they're like, "That's Raquel Gonzalez." I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> backspace back because I had this whole thing written out about. It. I can't believe Sonya Deville. Like, what are they doing here? This is a very bizarre turn that this has gone. But yeah, then I learned it. She looked like Sonya Deville got shot with Rick Moranis's ray gun, and Honey, I blew up the kids. <laughs> right. she, looked like. she looked like a bigger. Ver- she looked like Sonya Deville, thirty percent bigger is what she looked like, and what she still looks like. Because I, I even on the TV when she was on NXT this week, I was like for a brief second I'm like oh Sonya Deville oh no it's the girl that looks like Sonya Deville who debuted at Takeover, but until that finish and until the tail end of the match, I'm watching this and thinking, holy shit, my hot take might be that this is the greatest women's match in WWE. I liked it that much, and I thought both of them were that great in the match, but. The finish and the overall dramatics brought it down a little bit, but I still thought it was a great match. And it absolutely delivered when last week I was a little bit down on it. I've been on board with the feud until last week. I was a little down. And then they had this match, and I'm like, they reeled me right back in. Yeah, so I think, I think what the best thing to do is just forget that that TV match ever happened, and then it's a great feud. <laughs> and everything's that TV match. I don't know why that TV match happened. So and now Dakota Kai has a heater, and you know that adds a different element to it. Um. But yeah, man, I was really loving it up until maybe the final fucking three minutes. Well, there you go. So I'm, I'm glad I got you on board because I've been all in on this story and tried to sell you on it last week, and I'm I'm glad I I did a little. Dude, I was in on it all the way. I until know, that- but no, then you ba- then you backed off. You backed off at the wrong time. So did you? To be fair, I did. Yeah, because <laughs> that match made no sense on TV, and then watching this match, it made absolutely no sense whatsoever. This if this was the first time they got their hands on each other, it would have been fucking incredible, or or like legit got their hands on each other in a ring. Uh, it would have been incredible, but yeah, good stuff. Uh, Finn Balor, Johnny Gargano, 27 minutes, 22 minutes. Again, a match that, like, technically I thought was really good. It was like, a, I, I, I think I even wrote in my review and I felt so embarrassed that I did. I was like, yeah, it's just too good, you know, good pro wrestlers having a good pro wrestling match. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those where it's like, you know, did I emotionally feel anything in this match? Not really, but it was a very good match, like really good back and forth stuff. And and I thought it was it was worked at a, a a better pace than a lot of the other stuff that goes on on takeovers, but still again had some of the some of the classic you know takeover tropes or whatnot. But I I, I liked it a lot. Um, I was kind of surprised that Balor won, but then obviously knowing what happened in the finish, I wasn't surprised you know again anymore. But um, Balor's been protected on NXT. I, I'm not. I guess. He's going to go at Cole now. I guess they're protecting him for that. But I don't know with Balor. He's weird because he comes in sometimes. He leaves a bunch of other times. So I'm not sure uh, exactly what the next step is for him. But um, I, I, I thought this was a really, really good match. But um, one that I don't know if I'm emotionally connected to. It's, again, like an objectively good match that I don't know if I have much emotion towards. So Very well worked. 
very well worked match. Um, the one thing about Balor, and I have hopes for him moving up, is he. God, this sounds so weird coming out of me, but it's like he slows it down, and that's what NXT needs. Yeah, no, time. absolutely. You know, he slows it down. So, um, but this was very well worked, and I, I really liked it a ton. I mean, that hit my notebook. This match hit my notebook too. A lot of notebook matches here. Um, so, uh, you know, and Gargano losing made a lot more sense at the end, you know, because he did the job before he turned. So the job doesn't like hurt him in any sense because the turn revitalizes him, you know. So even though he did a clean job, and Balor says next week on NXT he's going to uh, make some kind of big. I'll give you the quote. Hold on, he says uh, he did a pre-tape. Uh, he said NXT is my chessboard. And next week, I make my next move. So that's good. I mean, I I, I think that's got to be built for Adam Cole. Like that's got to be the next move, right? Well, I mean, Ch- Ciampa and Gargano are going to be married. There's an old school wrestling term. Yeah. Married. <laughs> right. They're going to be married uh, for the next few takeovers, you would think. Um, and so yeah, that leaves something open for Cole for sure. So uh, possibly we'll see. Uh, Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley wins the match, retains the women's championship. I thought this was, again, another very good match. Uh, I thought Ripley really redeemed herself after uh, the, the the stinker at Worlds Collide uh, with Tony Storm. I knew that this was hopefully not going to be the new trend for her, uh, and I thought she came back. And, and, and again, this was it was 13 minutes. I think you probably could have condensed this one to like eight minutes. It could have been like honestly six, eight minutes, uh, but they wanted to get Bianca Belair a few little hope spots. And like you said, sometimes that can be the issue with NXT is they try too hard to let everybody get their mo- uh, their moments and their shine and all that sort of stuff. But uh, either way, I, I really liked it. I thought Bianca looked really good in the match, but uh, Rhea Ripley kind of put her away pretty uh, easily in the end, and, and I think that's the best story to tell. Um, as well, so it kind of stinks that Bianca Belair is obviously like kind of found her ceiling a little bit in NXT, but she'll be. I mean, she's still like I think she's still super young as well. Like, there's her time will come for sure. Uh, but she's fine. They had her cut a promo on Charlotte Flair on NXT this week, so she's fine. Yeah, yeah, she'll get that match on on NXT TV. She's thirty right now, so yeah, there's there's plenty of time for her. Oh, she's older than I thought, but she got started late. But um, she's got a star quality. You know, I've been on the Bianca Belair train from day one. So, um. You know, but and then to me, this was the quote unquote worst match on the show, but there was nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong. It's a good match. It was a good match on a show that had, you know, a couple of great matches. And um, so it's like, I don't want to call it, use the word worst, but it is what it is. It was the worst match on the show, but it was a good match. So, and Bolero will be fine. She cut a, she, she uh, interrupted a match mid match this week on TV and took the mic. She did the Kanye thing. She said, I'm going to let you guys finish to the two people wrestling. And then she said, uh, Charlotte Flair, I'm uh, I'm a whoop that ass was the exact quote. I wrote it down. <laughs> yeah, nice. I spelled it that way. Uh, and then she just dropped the mic and it got an enormous response from a very dead full sale. Full sale was dead last night. So um, the loss means nothing. Uh, you know, they're having her cut promos on Charlotte Flair. Rhea Ripley obviously had to retain. I wouldn't worry about Bianca Blair. They obviously like her. She's uber talented and I, I don't think the loss means a thing. No, it's gonna be so a cream I, rise to the top thing. Like Rhea, yeah. you can't you can't deny Rhea at this time. So what's gonna happen is Rhea's eventually gonna pop up. She'll be on the main roster. She'll be done with NXT for a while. Bianca's time will come, and and it'll come on the main roster as well at some point as well. But yeah, Rhea's so, like a know, dynamo. You know what I mean? Like you can't deny that right now. So you got to strike while the iron's hot with Rhea Ripley. But Belair's time will come for sure. Yeah, I mean sometimes the person being pushed now wins the match. That's all. 
You know, people win and people lose. And sometimes the person, you know, being pushed more. I mean, Rhea Ripley should have won this match. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's not a big deal. Uh, my favorite match of the night, the Broserweights, uh, Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne, defeating the Undisputed Era to win the tag team titles. I thought the most kind of like, you know, yes, it had its epic stuff. Yes, it had its kickouts and all that sort of stuff. But I thought, man, just like if you want to see like f- a, a perfect tag match, a tag match that blends 2020 tag wrestling with old school tag wrestling and cutting off the ring and and and, and you know, just like heels being dastardly and faces being facey. This was everything, man. This match fucking ruled. This is one of my favorite tag matches I've seen in years. So good here. Uh, it's just Riddle and Dunn were just incredible in this. Just a great team. And, and, and Fish and O'Reilly. I mean, what more do you have to say? If, if there's people that don't appreciate them or don't really realize what they're seeing or how good they're, you know, how good these guys are, you're just missing out. Because they're, they're just they're next level good, man. Like you always said that like when they're in the ring, it feels like there's like eight guys in the ring. Because they're just always ready. Matt Riddle's got one moment of, of momentum, and then boom, here comes Bobby Fish out of nowhere. And then Pete Dunne's about to tag Matt Riddle, and boom, here comes Kyler. Like, they're just always there, always ready. The timing's impeccable. The, they, they do just enough to kind of cut off the ring, but also make it still exciting. It's, it's, this, was, this was awesome, man. I want four and a half stars. I fucking love this tag match. Great stuff out of these guys. Right with you. Best match on the show. Best match on the show. And one thing about NXT and takeovers in particular is I think historically in 20, 30, 40, 50 years, when people look back on these takeovers, um, I think it's the tag team matches that are going to be the standouts that people, this, you know, it's just an incredible run of tag team title matches on these takeovers, whether it's undisputed era or now with the browser weights or, uh, uh, American alpha or, uh, you know, uh, uh, and Gargano, or, you know, you go right down the line. Lorcan and Birch, that one month they had the killer match. Um, yeah, uh, the War Viking Raider experience. Yeah, oh, they were great. They were great in NXT. Uh, you go right down the line. I mean, this is, you know, right there with uh, whatever you want to talk about. You know, Mid-Atlantic, uh, 50s WWF, uh, as, as, as far as being like a tag team territory with great tag team matches. Uh, 90s All Japan, whatever you want to talk about. NXT's right there. Um, and to me, uh, you know, a match like this, you know, when we look back on these takeovers, we're not going to look back on these overwrought, overly emotional main events. No one's going to want to rewatch that stuff. You're going to want to rewatch these tag matches, though, because they're all great. They're always great. And they're often the best match on the show. And I think that they'll stand more at the test of time than these main events will. And uh, you just look back at NXT's history uh, at a certain point. It just, you know, the, the tag matches are always money. And I thought this was great. I went four and a half on this. And I think right now, very early, very early, but the Broserweights and Kenny Omega and Hangman Page are the two best tag teams in the world this year. And I think uh, they're going to go neck and neck, at least for the first part of the year, tag team. And we'll see how long those two teams stay together. That's the key. Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't see either, either of them. Yeah, I don't see either of them lasting, you know, another six months or whatever. But who knows? You know, you never know. Broserweights have been great. Um, tremendous chemistry both in ring and on the mic that we talked about last week and i think omega and page have been great mm-hmm. you know they're having great tv matches so yeah i like this 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 is my favorite match on the show uh and then there was the main event so that was uh takeover portland so again we really liked it we really didn't like it it's it's i i'm right with you man i don't know how to really talk about these nxt shows anymore it it's it's kind of the same way with the tv it's like i watch tv and i enjoy it but that's kind of like i don't know did i enjoy it I, I objectively enjoyed it, but I, I, I it's so weird. I don't know. The TV's dry as a bone. It's just 
it's life. Well, this, this week, from what I saw, I saw about half of this week, and it was it's pretty. Yeah, it was this week was uh, not good. They, you know, especially a post takeover. I mean, they really mailed it in. I mean, there's just nothing going on this week on the show. Uh, a couple of lifeless matches that you know just didn't lead to anything. Uh, squash matches and just a crowd that the full sale crowd is starting to die. Well, I mean, I wouldn't, you, wouldn't you? I mean, come on, those same people have seen. I, I mean, I get it. Yeah, I mean, I understand it. But the last two weeks, the full sale crowds have not been good, and it's like they're just not being. Part of it is they're just being presented with the same old shit, and I don't know. It's just, maybe they need new people to connect to, and maybe you know now that NXT is a brand and they don't really move anybody off of it. We're starting to see that kind of pay off in all the wrong ways. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you got 300 guys in that, uh, you know, performance center, so hopefully you can find a few to get in there. But yeah, yeah nobody, gradu- nobody graduates and nobody moves, so you know. Yeah, you've got Tool Five Live and NXT UK and Raw and SmackDown and plenty of places to move parts around, but it's uh, you know, it, it's 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 Paul, it's Paul wants his toys and he doesn't want to get rid of them, so that's fine. At this point, they kind of have they're in a ratings war now too, and it's like. Do you, do you invest television time in getting Austin Theory over, or do you know you just stay the status quo with Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano and all these guys? Right. Even though we know that there's people, I mean, Paul Heyman is is frothing at the mouth to get his hands on Adam Cole and Matt Riddle and and all of these guys in NXT, and it's just they can't, they won't do it because they can't do it because you know they they need this show to deliver to at least some extent now. And if, if it wasn't for Dynamite, a lot of these guys would – they did move some of these guys up. I mean they, they literally moved Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa up. And when they moved, you know, when they moved Ricochet up, but they moved some of them back because of this. You know, and it's, it's getting stale. All right, let's move to uh, RevPro here. We only got a, a little bit left to go on the show here, but uh, we'll, we definitely wanted to get to this. Uh, RevPro High Stakes 2020. This was a show that happened uh, on the 14th. Uh, RevPro, they got it up real quick as well on their VOD because there was a lot of hype surrounding this main event here, Will Ospreay uh, and Zack Sabre Jr. But uh, the match that really stood out to me, and we'll talk about the main event, of course. It's a very good match. But the match that, that I went out of my way to see after hearing some of the reviews and people talking about it uh, was Michael Oku and El Fantasmo, the British Cruiserweight Championship match. Uh, that was the semi-main event, which, Joe, I liked better than the main event. But uh, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to it. Overall thoughts, because you've seen the entire show. I only saw the semi-main and the main event. Uh, do you want to go over the what, – what, what way do you want to attack this? Because you saw the rest of the show, so you can give more thoughts on that. Uh, do you want to go right to the main event, or do you want to kind of bounce around a little bit? Let's do the big stuff. Let's do the big stuff that we both saw, and then I can give quick thoughts on on the stuff you didn't see. All right, let's do that. So let's start with the main event here. Uh, British heavyweight title, Will Ospreay defeating Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, tremendous match. I enjoyed the New Japan match a little bit better than the one they had a few weeks ago. I, I, for whatever reason, that one just clicked with me a little bit more. But there's no denying that this was just tremendous pro wrestling between you know two all-time greats here. Great emotion in the in the building. Great emotion in the in the arena. Great emotion kind of built in the story. You know, kind of baked into the story with Zach being the cocky asshole because Osprey could never beat him, never beat him, and Osprey finally does beat him. Huge crowning moment. Huge moment. Great win. I mean, just tremendous wrestling. I, again, I like the New Japan one better, but that doesn't mean I didn't like this one because this was fucking great. Yeah, I mean. I honestly don't see how you could have preferred the New Japan one. I'm gonna and let me explain because I feel like this match played off of the New Japan match and improved on it. In that, okay, so the New Japan match, like we talked about either last week or the week before, right? It was Zack Saber Junior. Just 
baffling Willow Spray with his various array of grappling techniques and and grounding Willow Spray. Right, we broke that match down. And they told a great story, and it's like this one they come back, and Will has kind of learned from that, mm-hmm. and he has answers for a lot of Zach's tricks. In other words, he hits the uh, the os cutter at one point, and Zach goes to roll out of the ring like he did in Japan. And Will reaches out and grabs him and goes, oh, no, 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 no. You know, I'm not letting you sneak out of the ring and regain yourself like you did in Japan. Yeah, And, and I love that spot. Like he stopped him from getting out of the ring so he can continue his momentum and try to put him away. And also Saber tried to use the same wacky hold that he tapped out Will with in Japan on him here. But Will always managed to either uh, wiggle his way out of it this time or get to the ropes. So uh, it was like. Saber had all the answers for Will in Japan, and then Will had all the answers for what Saber had the answers for in England. They like this is great match to match storytelling, you know. And then, um, of course, you have the obvious of, of the dramatics down the stretch, and Willow Spray finally winning the title after seven years. So I thought that added to it as well. And to me, the work was equal, if not better, in this match compared to the first match as well. So. To me, it's like if you're doing a two-match series and both matches are playing off each other and one uh, sort of uh, improves on, on the previous, uh, I, you know, it's, it's, I'm going to like the second one better. But if you're telling me the first one just connected with you better than this one did, um, you know, for some other reason, whether it was uh, – uh, well, you tell me. I mean, I, you're the yeah, one. It's, it's, it's tough to say exactly what reason it was. It was just when it was over, and I watched this match twice, kind of thinking, okay, you know, what didn't click with me the first time? Okay, well, let me ask you this. Did, did the things that I just described, did they not land for you? No, Maybe they, they did. I, I don't know why. It, they it, didn't land for you. I, I, they did land for me a little bit, but for whatever reason, I don't know. I just kind of, I think I liked it more knowing that, I, I don't know why. I don't know why I enjoyed Will kind of, or, 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 or Zach kind of having the advantage over Will in that New Japan match for some reason. I kind of enjoyed that, where, where Will was like, ah, I got it, I'll do this. And Zach was like, no, 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 can't do that, I'm going to do this to you. And, and like, I don't know, for some reason, I enjoyed that a little bit more than seeing Will overcome those odds and overcome those submissions and know what to do. It, and like, it, it should, like, I should like the conclusion more than like the build, but for some reason, I like the build more in this case. I, I, and I don't know why. I have no okay, idea so why. You, so, so you hated it and gave it two and three quarters. Exactly, I get it. fucking I mean, it's, atrocious it's, wrestling. Will you know, is a spot I, monkey and he stinks. So I disagree. I disagree. I thought it was great. I know you, yes, you hated it. <laughs> As Will Osprey guy, he's, he's overrated. He's trash. So yeah, no, but I, I really loved how uh, they didn't ignore the first match at all. You knew these two guys wouldn't. Uh, you know, the dirty secret with Will Osprey is this is what he does. I mean, it's just his matches are very heavy on storytelling and psychology, and this was no exception. They played off of the match from a couple weeks earlier, and I thought, you know, it all just landed uh, tremendously with me. And then on top of it, it's just the usual great Willow Spray and Zack Sabre shit. I mean, the guys are just great. You know, they can go out there and just have an out-of-context match like they had in Dallas a few years ago, or they've had in other places, and it's still going to be great. You know, but um, then when you dial it up like this, where they're telling a two-match story, I mean... I'm not going to tell you I thought about giving it giving it five, because I, I, I don't know if that'd be honest, but you know, I went four and three quarters with with no hesitation, and to me, it's uh, right there with with you know, or very early first two months of the year with among the best matches I've seen this year, uh, and 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 I really loved it. So, uh, you know, a satisfying conclusion uh, to this story, to Will Ospreay's story, and and then of course, standing in the ring with with Oku and with uh, Giselle Shaw as sort of. You know what it reminded me of, Rich? It reminded me of this year's WrestleMania, where 
Kofi Kingston and Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch all won the titles. And that WrestleMania, to me, I'll always remember it as, you know, uh, Daniel Bryan and Brock Lesnar and, and Ronda Rousey being vanquished and Charlotte Flair having no business in the match. I'll fight that till the death. Oh, no, 100%. Uh, I'm right with you. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't care who argues with me. Dave Meltzer, uh, you know, uh, whoever. Yeah, I'll it fight ruined it. It ruined it. After Charlotte it, didn't yeah. belong in that match. But um, but it's Charlotte. And you know the deal with Charlotte. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, so it kind of, on a much smaller scale, obviously, reminded me of that. And oddly enough, I think that the follow-through will be better here than it wasn't done, which should never be the case. But, um, I, you know, but it's like, um, I've lost my train of thought. But um, anyway, uh, do you want to talk more about Osprey and Sabre or do you want to move on to no, Oku and Phantasm? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to kind of move on uh, if, if you're done uh, with, with, with Sabre and, and Osprey. But yeah, I know th- this one, I mean, the, the building hype was incredible. We had people, you know, many people on our staff that, that went to the show and all they did were just sending us was just exclamation points and exclamation points and, and just, you know, just going, Oh my God, the greatest thing I've ever seen live. And, and yeah, it looked, it looked like an incredible atmosphere live, but uh, the match to me that landed even more than that main event, the semi main event, Joe, Michael Oku defeating El Phantasmo. Joe, this is my kind of wrestling, man. I love this wrestling. El Phantasmo is just a chicken shit heel. Oku is this underdog baby face. The crowd's going fucking nuts for everything they do. Oku gets the win. The crowd explodes. He jumps into the their arms and everyone. Oh, my God. The emotion. I mean, this is everything that I, NXT isn't. You know what I mean? Like, just this pure emotion. This just pure, obvious good and evil and and, and, and bad versus evil. <laughs> you know, whatever you want to. Or, it's, or, or, it's or, emotion that, what you're trying to say is it's emotion that doesn't feel manufactured and forced. Exactly. It was the crowd has has seen this guy rise and, and they want nothing more than this guy that they've watched kind of rise through the ranks, win this match. And El Fantasmo is so good at playing just such a fucking unlikable asshole that everybody just wants to see this guy get his ass kicked. And it just so happens to be Michael Oku, this guy they've seen kind of rise through the ranks, is the guy that's going to hopefully beat him on this night. And when he does eventually do it after just a tremendous back and forth pro wrestling match, just the emotion, the explosion of emotion is just, oh, my God, I love this. <laughs> I love this match so much. And it was so well worked, too. I thought that the, the, you know, Oku is, is a guy who's a little, you know, I don't want to say rough around the edges, but he needs a little bit of work before he's kind of a finished product. But El Fantasma, I thought, worked his ass off to make Oku look great. And I thought Oku delivered. Uh, on, on on his level too, but I thought this was like these guys found lightning in a bottle, man. I don't know if these two guys could ever come together and have a match this good ever again between these, you know, you know, between them. But on this night, man, oh my god, perfect! It was just an incredible wrestling match. Yeah, I mean, um, this is what NXT matches used to feel like before every match on NXT tried to be this. Yeah, exactly. I, I think I actually you know, tweeted like, something like similar to that. I, I'm not saying that you're stealing yeah. my lines, but let me, let me actually find out what I tweeted because it was the exact thing. I was like, that's what NXT used to be. That raw emotion, that that feeling of meaning and purpose and reason, you know, that used to exist. And it's like, yes, you know, because I watched these back to back when I was done with the, the takeover the next morning, I watched this show and it was like, yes, this, this, this is what I've been looking for. This is what I love, you know? Yeah, it was, it was, I had tweeted out that this was the best takeover match of the weekend because it was that takeover style, but on a show where nothing else was like that, unlike takeover where it was all like that. And it, right, all yeah, 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 yeah. And it feels forced. And this felt natural because Oku is a guy who has incredible crowd connection, his crowd connection for a wrestler. He just has that thing that, that 99% of wrestlers want, but will never have when in terms of connecting with crowds. 
And he isn't a finished product. I mean, I've seen a lot of his matches, and he clearly is a, a, a top prospect because of that crowd connection. And he can go as well. And do you remember the, the Pac match? I remember we talked about that one on the show. Uh, that was a great match as well. But he's had other matches too uh, that I've seen. And it's like, he's not a finished product. And I know people are talking him up for super juniors. I think it's too early. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I also think he's not, he's not to a point. Now, the reason it works in Europe is because of that crowd connection. And they've grown, they've watched him grow up and they're behind. And he's not going to have that dynamic injury. He's going to go to Japan and they're just going to want to see him work and he can work. But it's like, I don't know if he's ready for that. I don't know if he's ready to hang with the best juniors in the world because that's what New Japan is. It's the best juniors in the world. It has been for at least the last half decade. I mean, people will lie to you and lie to themselves and tell you that, but it's New Japan. I mean, we have Willow Spray and Dragon Lee and, and Hiromu and you go right down the line. I mean, like the eighth best junior in New Japan would be the best junior anywhere else. I mean, let's be honest. And it's been that way for like a half decade. And I don't know if I'd throw him into that, uh, the deep end of that pool yet, but it's like, Eventually, yes, but the dynamic here with this pure, perfect baby face, right, who the crowd loves and he has his cr- against the biggest prick heel in the company and one of the greatest, let's face it, Phantasmo is one of the best heels in the world now. You know, when you factor how great he is in New Japan and, and you know, he does the shtick in multiple plays. This is a tremendous, hateable motherfucker. Yeah, he's completely unlikable. Like, nobody yes. can like him. Nobody in that building could say, you know, I want El Fantasma to win this match. It's impossible. You can't do it. He's such a great heel that he has worked smart wrestling fans into a shoot. And they think that they, like, he's, he's getting people with his heel work on a level that very few people do in this day and age. Because so many people hate him and they don't realize they're being worked into it. Like, he's so hateable. You know, and so it was the perfect dynamic and great booking to build Oku to this point and to put that title on Phantasma when they did and to peak all of this on this show. I mean, RevPro had a rough year last year in a lot of ways, particularly the back end. And, and you know, I watched most of the shows and we even talked about RevPro early last year on right here on this show. And then things fell apart for them. Middle portion later in the year, they had the whole thing with Bodum. And uh, all that on top of it. All right, yeah. But this was great booking to have all this come together in this spot. And and Oku is really a guy to keep an eye on. And he's so young. Why are we rushing him into Super Juniors at this stage of his career and and um, and everything else? It's it's. And, and, but I'm glad that he has sort of latched on to this side of British pro wrestling, and he's not on the progress side because this is the kind of guy where it'd be such a shame if he got signed like a kid did and just disappeared into that ether because he's got so much to do and so much growth that can happen in front of him. Um, you know, and, and, and I'm glad to kind of see him anything can happen. I mean, but I'm glad that he's sort of fallen on this side of the, of the, uh, of the Brit rest table. Um, and this was great. I went four and a half on this. Um, if these were the only two, good matches on the show this would have been a great show because the, the these final two matches were just fucking outstanding yeah and just just the amount of emotion and, and crowd in these two it, it's just unbelievable like the, the idea that they could still get up for that osprey saber match which is like again like i'm not I, if you have not seen this like i can't even describe to you how loud the pop was when oku beat phantasmo 
and just how I mean, just just tremendous stuff here. So yeah, really, really yeah, good yeah. match. Go and out of your way. The crowd to celebrate and they're holding them up. It's just <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're doing like the they're they're he's crowd surfing and they just love him. It's oh my god, it's great. God, I love it. Man, I saw him have a match against Scotty Davis. It's behind the reviews behind the paywall. I can't remember the promotion. And um, I don't know how much you know about Scotty Davis, but this is another guy. He's like nineteen or mm-hmm. twenty, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. The fuck. It's an Irish guy, and he is going to be a superstar. Make no mistake. You know where I first learned about Scotty Davis? I'm going to tell you. Sitting in an IHOP in New Orleans at 4:30 in the morning with Alan, <laughs> Alan and Sarah Forel, and we're sitting there in this in this IHOP eating shitty pancakes, and he's telling me. It, it, I'm, I'm not going to even attempt an Alan yeah, impression. Yeah, you can't gonna, do it. Yeah, he's telling me. He's telling me, Joe, Joe, I'm going to give you a name. Remember this name. I'm telling you. I I know. I get excited about wrestling a lot, and but this is this name, Scotty Davis. I'm telling you, it's a lock. You know, and 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 I remember, and, and you know, I forgot about it for a while, but I kept the name in the back of my mind, and I, I saw Scotty Davis wrestle Michael Oku, and I, I'm. I'm looking for it, but I don't think I'm going to find it. And it's just going to be bad radio. But I definitely reviewed it in one of my written reviews behind the paywall. And was it a perfect match? No. Uh, did they did they make a lot of like? Did you are you watching it thinking God when these guys have this same match again in ten years? It's going to be a fucking match of the year contender. Yes. I mean, they rushed through their spots and they made a lot of mistakes young wrestlers make, and it it was it wasn't refined or anything like that. But but I'm just watching that Oku Scotty Davis match, thinking to myself, these guys are going to wrestle again in five years and ten years, hopefully, and they're going to cross paths, and and these two guys are going to be having match of the year contenders. I mean, they're future stars, both of them. You know, Oku you could argue already is, you know, and uh, and Davis is another one. I'm going to tell everyone what Allen told me in that IHOP. Remember the name, and a lot our, our listeners are good. They probably are on to him already. This isn't like. I'm not breaking any news talking about. Right, we about. have very smart fans that, that yeah, uh, yeah but, they, they know but, what they're doing. But some of you who maybe don't follow the British scene or the, the European scene, I should say, I mean, and, and look for that match. I think it's still on YouTube because that's where I do all my written reviews from anyway. But um, And you'll see what I'm talking about. And uh, they're very different wrestlers. You know, Oku's more about crowd connection. Davis is just a physical just one of these guys where the, it's like the first time you see Will Ospreay and you're just like, oh yeah, forget it. This guy's going to be fucking, it's the same thing with Davis. It's like, you know, he doesn't have the same height, the same size, but he, he's a tremendous body, good physique, good look. Um, and just physically, he just, you just, he, he's it. He's got it. Um, but yeah, it, it's, uh, but anyway, yeah, Oku, this guy's the limit. He's got to fill out that body a little bit, you know, and, and that'll come with age and, and, you know, hitting the gym. Kyle Fletcher's putting on some weight, Rich. I don't know if you saw Kyle Fletcher on this show, but um, he's another one who just really needed to fill out. So that just comes with time, you know. Um, and 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 you know he, when he fills out that body and gets some more experience, um, Oku's the real deal. Yeah, yeah. Fletcher Fletcher's only like twenty one too. It's it's kind of stupid. Oh, there's, yeah. some, there's some real good guys. Just God, hopefully they don't sign to WWE. Please don't sign to WWE, guys. Please. Not yet. I mean, go there and make millions someday. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah. Build build yourself up a little bit here. Don't don't do the Jake Atlas route where you take the first fucking contract that gets thrown to you. So you know. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's because what can happen too is you just get lost and maybe you never make it there and maybe you get stuck in the performance center for three years and then you get stuck in NXT for three more and then 
And then you're Juice Robinson. You're looking for a way out. And right. not everybody can have the resurgence that Juice Robinson had. You know, some guys are just going to fall off. And it's a shame. But the way they hoard talent, that's going to happen to some of these guys. Yeah. Well, Atlas, and the reason I brought him up, too, is I don't know if you saw, but like he's like, hey, I'm making my debut with Evolve. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, geez. Like, you could have just done that. <laughs> you maybe could have just worked Evolve without, you know, or, or level of Evolve. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. But I it's like. It, I, but I like, I get it and I don't get it. You know, it's it's and and some guys do choose to wait. I mean, look at Willow Spray; could have been there years ago, and it's like he's out. You know, and I know he's kind of different because he's just enormously special. I mean, he's special on a different level. But it, it's you know, I get it and I don't get it. You know, it's it's I'm watching Carlos Romo, and you know, he obviously came up with a kid, and a kid's having good TV matches in NXT UK. But it's like, do you really see a kid having a big future there? Do you? especially at the stage of his career that he that he chose to make the move. You know, it's like, the, the fact is, if you go there already as a star, you have a much better chance. Absolutely, yeah. If you start out ahead, you're, you're, you're good to go. I mean, look at look at the guys that are pushed. <laughs> you know, they're, they're guys that were not the guys talent. Just, yeah. look, look at the names on that takeover. I mean, you know, and it's like, when you're A-Kid or, or Atlas, you're just starting to make your name. You're, they don't, you know, become the top guy on the scene and then go, you know, just not even just from an experience standpoint, but from your future prospects standpoint, you you have more of a chance of getting pushed when you're coming in already as a star. We have precedent for that. So anyway, that's just, I guess that's a side diversion. No, no problem at all. So, so you watch the rest of, of the show. We're, we're, we're pretty close to the clock here. So we'll, we'll we don't have to go into excruciating detail. I need minutes. That's how I need to, uh, Know how pithy I need to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ten minutes. How about that? You give me ten minutes. I'll okay, give you ten so. minutes. How about that? So talk about the rest of uh, High Stakes Twenty Twenty. I got three notebook matches on this show. First of all, I oh, thought wow. it was a, a very good show because there's only one match I I did not like at all, and everything else was either good or better. And I had three notebook matches total, and the third one was not L.A. Park Eddie Kingston, which is what a lot of people are probably thinking, or maybe not since it's me saying it. But this Ricky Knight Jr. I got to tell you, Rich, go back and watch this one. Um, again, hardly a finished product, but I was very impressed with Ricky Knight Jr. and his match with Robbie X. And I can't believe I have Robbie X in my notebook, but I do. Uh, four stars flat for this one. I thought Ricky Knight Jr. looked tremendous. I think he showed a ton of upside. Um, he's a flippy-do guy, and he's not reinventing the wheel. He's doing all the shit that everybody else does. But uh, he's very smooth, and uh, or at least he was in this match. And uh, the, the, the one thing is they kind of lost the crowd. The crowd wasn't super into this. And I don't know if this is because, well, I don't know the Brit wrestling guys who are more connected to the politics can probably tell you why, but um, considering the shit that they were doing, the crowd really wasn't into it as much as I thought they'd be, but my God, I wasn't expecting much out of that match. And I thought it was just a tremendous um, cruiserweight slash X division style match on the undercard. As far as LA park, Eddie Kingston goes uh, rich envision. An L.A. Park Eddie Kingston match. Are you doing that? Uh, <laughs> well, that's what it was. Uh, with a lot of shtick. They did a lot of shtick with the referee. Not me. There, there are people that I'm sure loved it. I'm, it's just not. Yeah, I, not my. I opinion. was rolling my eyes. Once they started doing the shtick with the referee, I started rolling my eyes. Um, you know, Mad Kurt got involved. I don't know how much you know about Mad Kurt, but he's sort of like this... Uh, cult comedy thing that Rev Pro has going on that's super fucking over. 
So Mad Kurt kind of has this thing. It, it, it's Kurt. It's Curtis Chapman. It's Curtis Chapman, and um, he does this uh, alternate persona called Mad Kurt, and he's got this thing going with Kingston. So he got involved. The referee got involved. Look, it was fine. You know, it was an LA Park Eddie Kingston match with a lot of added stick. I, you know, it's I'm sure as a live experience, it was great. I didn't hate it. I thought it was fun, but uh, hardly my favorite thing on the show. Um, Giselle Shaw in the opener won the women's title from Zoe Lucas. I think Zoe Lucas is terrible. Uh, in fact, I think she's one of the worst, quote unquote, major league. If you want to call Rev Pro major league, that's up to you, I guess. Uh, one of the worst major league wrestlers around. I think she really fucking stinks, and she stunk here. Um, and Giselle Shaw, I haven't seen much of her, and I'm not going to form an opinion based on a match against Zoe Lucas because Zoe Lucas is the drizzling shits. So, um, <laughs> she's so terrible. I, I, she is bad. <laughs> she's not good. Um, I, and and so I don't, I'm going to reserve judgment on Shaw. I mean, I I want to see her in more matches first of all, and I want to see her against someone other than Zoe Lucas. That's the only match I didn't really like. I'm just glad the title is off of Lucas. Um, you know, I, I think she's connected to the promotion in some way office wise. I'm not positive, but I think she is. I'd like to see her go away because I follow this promotion, but unfortunately I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Dan Maloney who left WWE. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But back to the scene had a nice little match with Jeff Cobb. I mean, again, card placement, they didn't go out there and try to have an Epic. They went out there and told a story and, the fucking hometown guy beat the guy, beat the outsider. I mean, it was a nice little match, you know, and perfect for its spot on the card. And Maloney is a guy that I would, you know, I'd fucking rip on him and I was hard on him in NXT UK, but I, you know, I applaud him for getting out of that system and going back out on his own and he's improving. And I don't know, you know, and, and the thing is, I think he was, I think he's British strong style adjacent. He may have been trained by those guys which makes the move even more brave, you know, because he could have just stayed in w, under one, WWE's umbrella, especially with a connection to Seven and Dunn and all of those dudes, uh, if I've got my information straight, and I think I do. But, you know, he's, he's going to go out, try to make a name of it um, outside the system. So this is a good little match. And then we had the Ricky Knight Jr. Robbie X match, which I already talked about, Park Kingston, which I talked about. Uh, there was a six-way scramble. Mark Haskins uh, beat Carlos Romo, Chris Brooks, Hiku Leo, Kyle Fletcher, and Mad Kurt. A lot of comedy. You know, Mad Kurt was involved. Mad Kurt got involved in Eddie Kingston's match, so Eddie Kingston came out and chased Mad Kurt out of this match. So uh, they kind of had a show-long angle going with those two. And uh, a lot of shtick, a lot of comedy, but it was over with the crowd. and It was inoffensive. It was inoffensive. Um, and then the tag team title match, uh, Rampage Brown and Great O'Karn with my boy, uh, Lord Gideon Gray. Love that dude. I think he, uh, and, you know, partially my fault because I could be the one of the people doing it. I think he's under talked as like an, you know, a manager slash non wrestler type. I think he adds a ton. He's added a ton to the Great O'Karn act when they link them together. And, you know, now as the manager of Legion, I think he's just a great old school manager. You know, he would have, you can stick Lord Gideon Gray in 1986 WWF with Bobby Heenan and Jimmy Hart. <laughs> right, right. He does feel like a throwback in that way. Yeah. And it would work perfectly, you know, with fucking uh, luscious Johnny V and Mr. Fuji and all those characters that were, you know, managers during that era. 
I mean, he's perfect for that. He's a real throwback, and I think he's great in the role. And he cuts, he gets in the ring to introduce Gokarn, and it's you know, it's just, and he's another guy who's a great heel because he's hateable. There's nothing likable about him, you know, which is why he's great for the role, you know. And this wasn't any kind of great match, you know. They beat Damian Dunn and, and David Starr, but uh, it keeps the Gokarn undefeated thing going. He's still undefeated. I think the only loss he has is like some gimmicky DQ thing that doesn't really count. So they still bill him as undefeated. He's never lost a singles match. Um, you know, he's the British ta- half of the British tag team champions. I think the Legion was a great pivot from the Bodum mess. You know, so they put Shaw Samuels with Rampage Brown and the great O'Karn and you give a manager and, you know, that has worked tremendously as sort of, you know, this heel faction. So, you know, it's not a match that's going to hit anybody's notebook. Uh, but again, when you have a semi and a main as good as this was and you have Look, the undercard, look, we just talked about, everything was different. You know, you had Park and Kingston doing Park and Kingston things. Right, you right. Little, you had a little bit of comedy. You had like a flippy-do match with Ricky Knight Jr. and Robbie X. You had the Legion doing, you know, their their heel antics with Gideon Gray. You know, it was all different on the undercard. It was all good, the exception of, you know, Zoe Lucas in the opener. And then you had the two great matches to end the show. You know, so this was one of the best top to bottom ref pro shows that I've seen in a while. They had a rough year last year. You know, they had the flashes of brilliance, uh, but it wasn't their best year. And I thought the booking was good leading into this. The booking was good coming out of it. And I enjoyed the fuck out of this show. Yeah. Well, one, one of the most poignant things is, is, is Neil David who did the review and who's just a fucking great writer. And it annoyed what me. Every time. I hate it. I hate it. I hate when he sends something. I'm like, fuck you. Cause it's, you can't live up to his standards. Exactly. It's too good. I'm like, well, I was going to write something, but I guess I won't now because yours is better. But uh, he wrote, you know, obviously he, he did it in our new Japan ebook and he wrote it on, on the website too, about how disappointed he was in Red Pro and how Red Pro kind of failed everybody. And was this, this, uh, you know, had the chance last year to be something special and really emerge in the scene. And it just chose to, you know, kind of fall on its own itself and just kind of step on its own tail or like whatever way you want to describe it or whatever and then yeah you read his review uh, of high stakes and it's like okay maybe this is the bastion of 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 light here you know maybe this is the 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 last bit of of glory that this brett Brit rest scene has because rep pro really you know in a show like this makes you think okay all right hold on never mind it's not dead this thing is still you know, vibe there, there, there's, there's 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 some life back in this scene you know, there's some some good young talent, some top tier talent that that is hanging around and isn't going away and isn't signing right away. And if if you know if they stay, the scene. So it, it it's been interesting to see because yeah, as you said, you know, 2019 was such a bad year for RevPro where it did it just felt like oh god, what are you guys doing? Like what direction? What 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 is the future of RevPro? What's the future of Brit Wrestling if you guys are one of the you know the top companies? And now yeah, move ahead to you know February 2020 and it's like okay, here we go. There's some momentum behind this company. People are feeling it again with them, which is really cool. Because the, the scene is better when they're better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's like you said, there's a, there's a handful of young wrestlers who you know, aren't WWE slash progress adjacent now with Oku and Kyle Fletcher and, um, and people like that who it, it's, it's, it helps. And maybe it just took time, you know, to, to, for some of these guys to, to to get over, and you know, last year at this time, Michael Oku couldn't work the semi-main event of a show like this. He was still on the come up, and he was making his name. Um, but you know, sometimes it just takes time too. You know, I think Phantasmo has been a good addition uh, to the scene as well. Um, so yeah, they, they've got some. Th- this is a very very encouraging show, you know, and 
you just hope RevPro stays away from a lot of their bad habits with a lot of the, you know, they fell into a lot of those bad habits last year with the run-ins and the interference. Yeah, very attitude era esque. Very stuff. attitude. Yeah, yeah, which it, can can really miss. You know, in in 2020, 2019, it really it really stands out of like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Yeah, even some of the early 2019 shows that I liked, you know, if you remember when we talked about them here, it's like they'd have a four or five match run where every single match had interference. And it's like, God, you know, we don't need it in every match, especially when you're booking Pac and he's not doing jobs because he's the, the Dragon Gate champ and you have to do it in his match. You know what I mean? It's like, so you know you're getting it at the top. Maybe chill out underneath, you know? And and this show, I thought, you know, it is, it's just a, just a look, it's not going to be a show of the year contender, but it's a really solid, fun show from top to bottom. With two great matches on top. All right. So we are just about out of time. Real quickly, though, any thoughts on uh, uh, Hideki Suzuki uh, versus Nakajima, if we even need to talk about it? Um, It's just a match a lot of people are talking about. Uh, Jojo Remy from our site has it as his running match of the year. Um, it's Hideki Suzuki, so it's going to be very divisive. I thought it was a really good match. I went three and a half on it. Um, it just had a lot of the things that I don't like about Suzuki. It had just uh, meaningless, uneventful, boring, and dull grappling in the first 10 to 15 minutes of the match, which really didn't play into the rest of the match at all, which was my problem with it. If you're going to do grappling to open a match, it either has to be exciting grappling or it has to be grappling that plays into the story of the match. And this was neither. This was just mind-numbingly dull opening third of a match, the likes of which were some of the most mind-numbingly and dull opening minutes of a match I've seen in some time. It was really boring. Um, and then when the match kicked in the gear with the crowd brawl and got back into the ring with Nakajima working the kicks and working over Suzuki's leg, I thought Nakajima was great in the match. Oh, he was incredible. Yeah, he he stood out to me, and I know people get upset when you say that about anybody but Nakajima Suzuki, but, but Nakajima, he was great. He was fa- fucking fantastic in this match, because once once he was under full control, and once it was kind of his style of a match, and once it was kind of worked to hit, like, yeah, it, it really ramped up. The crowd started getting to life. The kicks are coming in. Like, it felt it felt exciting, finally, after, yeah, about 15, 20 minutes of, of not much happening, so. Yeah, well, they told a good story from that point forward, and I thought Suzuki was very good. I thought Hideki Suzuki sold as well as you can sell in a match of this type. Uh, selling the leg with Nakajima working the leg over. And to Suzuki, I mean, he's, he, you know, Nakajima took 90% of the match. Uh, I mean, it ended in a draw because Suzuki doesn't do business. That's an entirely different topic. I mean, has there ever been less of a star that won't do business? <laughs> I agree. I'm with you, man. Yeah. I mean, that guy is not even, it's like, I've never seen less of a star who refuses to do business than this guy. Right. I don't understand why you even bring him in then. If he can't lose to fucking Nakajima, then like, what are we doing here? If you can't, if this guy won't do a job to Nakajima or Go Shiozaki. In Noah. (laughs) Right. And what's what's his purpose? Why are you even using him? I mean, to me, I would never bring him in. I'm not bringing a freelancer into my company if I'm Noah. If he will not do a job for Shiozaki, Nakajima, Kiyomiya, or Sagara. If you won't job to those four guys, all four of them, I'm not bringing you in. You serve no purpose to me because what, what purpose do you serve? I'm never pushing you. They're never pushing Hideki Suzuki to the top, right? Would you agree with that? Oh yeah. No, no, no. Cause he's, so, yeah. 
So if he's not going to be the top guy and he won't job to your four top guys, then what purpose does he serve? If you're bringing in a freelancer like that, who has a little bit of name value, I guess, even though he's never drawn a dime, then he has to put those guys over. Otherwise, he serves no purpose. What are we doing here? This is pro wrestling. You either put the stars over or, or you don't serve a purpose. Or you're like, a star. Yeah, I don't think he's... Yeah, know, I so. mean, this guy's, not, this guy's not fucking Brock Lesnar. And Brock Lesnar loses. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, even Brock Lesnar will lose to Seth Rollins. This guy refuses to lose. To me, that does more harm than good. And I mean, that's why Nakajima took 90% of the match, because you know how that went down. Hey, we want you to put over Nakajima. Not going to do it. If he can beat me, fine. But I'm not going to put him over. Okay, uh, well then what can we do here? Well, I'll tell you what, I'll sell for him because I like the kid. Right, so Nakajima just beat the fuck out of him for 28 minutes or whatever. And then so they had a draw, even yeah. 90% of the match, but he refused to do the job. Because even in the post-match, Nakajima gave him that headbutt. Right, right, right. And Suzuki went tumbling away and everything. So it's like, it's it, for Suzuki, it's like he was willing to sell for Nakajima. And he was willing to quote-unquote put him over, but he's not going to lose the match. And you know that was his call because there's no other reason on earth that he wouldn't lo- that they didn't lose. There's no reason to do a draw. You know what I mean? It's him refusing to to, to lose, and we've seen him do this before. The only kind of upside to this is he kind of obviously respects Nakajima, and he was willing to sell for him, mm-hmm. and he was willing to sell for him for ninety percent of the match. He just wasn't willing to lose to him. Now I'm sorry. It seems like a lot of work for Taki Suzuki. It's a lot of work for a guy who's not even a star, and that's my point. And it's like. If I'm Nakajima, fuck you. I'm not working with him. Because if I, he's not going to put me on. Why would I? If I'm Go Shiozaki, why would I even wrestle him? I'm mean, fuck you. I'm a star here. Who are you? Go back to zero one in front of fucking six hundred fans. You know what I mean? It's like I know Noah's not exactly rolling, but my my point is this is my promotion, and I'm the star here. Right. Like I would never wrestle that guy if he wouldn't job to me. I'm not getting in there and having a draw with that guy. Why? What do I gain from that? Nothing. What does the promotion gain? Nothing. You know, so the fact he doesn't do business, I don't mind wrestlers not doing business when they're worthy of not doing it. When Pac doesn't want to do jobs because he's protecting another company's title, I'm all for it. If Brock Lesnar wants to pick who choose who he loses to, he's fucking Brock Lesnar. Okay, he's earned the right. You know, and you can go historically and talk. Hideki Suzuki? The guy never draw a dime. I mean, he's not a star. I've never seen a guy who's less of a star like have a bigger ego when it comes to doing jobs and then have companies acquiesce it. Like there's plenty of guys who have that ego, but like why would Noah play ball with this? It doesn't make sense to me, but it's their company. And if they want Nakajima to look like a goof, I mean, I guess that's up to them, but the match itself, I thought Suzuki was good. Nakajima was good. And I thought it was a really good match. I think if you, if the first 15 minutes, play into the rest of the match more. I'm going notebook on this. Mm-hmm. I thought it was that good. Or if you just start with the crowd brawl. Yeah, the crowd brawl was really good, and I hate crowd brawling, and, and people kept telling me, wait till the crowd brawl, wait till the crowd brawl, and then the crowd brawl was fucking great, and I was like, oh yeah, this, if this match, if you lop off the first 10-15 minutes, I love it, but, you know. <laughs> Skip to perfunctory grappling that went nowhere. I mean, all right, here's the thing. If you like guys... <laughs> we don't have a ton of time for the... All right, I'm not right, even so. being sarcastic. Yeah, yeah. I'm not being sarcastic. I mean this. If you're really into guys like breaking out of waist locks very slowly, I guess you dug the first 15 minutes. If you're into guys getting thrown into side headlocks, right, and then slowly standing up and getting out of it, 
then maybe you'd love the first 15 minutes of it. I don't get into any of that fucking shit. Mm-hmm. It's boring. It's dull. And it had nothing to do with the rest of the match. Nakajima did not do focused leg work during the grappling. And he worked the leg the rest of the match. You know, had he really went after the leg in the grappling, it was putting him in fucking, you know, Ken Shamrock fucking ankle locks and toe hole, whatever the fuck. All right, then it adds to the match. But what they did in the first 15 added nothing to the match. And I don't get off on slow, boring grappling that adds nothing to a match. So that's where the first 15 lost me. Uh, it's a very niche thing that some people are into. I get it. Not me. And to me, it hurt the match. It hurt an otherwise very good match. But uh, I thought otherwise it was a good performance from both guys. And, um, you know, I don't know what Nakajima gets out of a draw. But, uh, you know, I guess dominating the match and delivering the headbutt at the end, it's kind of like a visual victory for him. But I don't know. I'd rather. Yeah, again, it seems like a lot of work for. Bring in a guy who's going to do business and lose. I mean, you know, this guy isn't, you know, anyway. But that's the. uh, Nakajima Suzuki match. Did you throw stars on it? Yeah, I went three and a half as well. Uh, pretty People. much exactly echoed your thoughts. Where if, if if this match began with the crowd brawl, I fucking loved it. And that's the thing we always talked about. It, you know, not to get into another thing because we're up against the clock here. But the Hideki Suzuki stuff, like there was a time where we really thought he was like he would have matches where. Remember when when he beat Kai in like eight minutes? He just fucking yeah. went in there, beat the shit out of him, and won. I was like, fuck, this guy rules. It's it's the yeah slow wrist holds. Like I I I, I have no need for that. Some people like it. That's cool. I don't. I don't even think, honestly. I don't even think his grappling is that impressive. Uh, look, I'm, I'm, I've, I've been, I've been threatened with physical violence for saying that before. So I'm, whatever, whatever. If you think it's great, that's fine. I, I will mention that uh, in, in, you know, we were talking about Zack Saber Jr. and and, and Will Ospreay, and I, I always remember this quote too because you know Suzuki's a uh, a disciple of Billy Robinson or whatever. Well, Chris Charlton was talking about when when doing commentary on that match that he was reading Billy Robinson's biography, and Billy Robinson said, you know, and the reason why he thinks you know Zack Saber Jr. and Billy Robinson, you know, are, are are in the same wavelength is that Billy Robinson in his biography says, you know, in wrestling if if you're doing a hold and you're not beating the guy in, you know, 10 seconds or whatever, move to the next hold because it's obviously not a good hold. Yeah. The end. So that's, that's all I'll say. So we'll just leave that there. I'll just leave that out there. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, he's got the credentials and he has the training and it just doesn't translate. I right. don't even think it, I don't even think it's impressive grappling. No, you're a bad, I mean, I don't know what I'm supposed to think about it other than like, Hey, cool. Unless you're really into the idea of somebody breaking a waist lock by with hand positioning. I mean, I get what's but just happening. Win the fucking match! Like, why don't you just try to win the match? I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I <laughs> whatever. Mean, whatever. He's so much better on paper, you know. And it's just, yeah, I don't. Whatever. know. It's uh, four hundred people watch these matches, and we talk so much about this guy. It's I like know he should be so much better than he is, though, if he cared a little more. And I, it, I don't know. It's well, yeah. I'm sure, a bunch of people that don't listen will get upset again. So anyway, <laughs> this is the friendly voice of wrestling at flagship podcast. Well, that to be liked. Yeah, exactly. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. But okay, anyway. anyway, that's it for us. So, so VoicesWrestling.com, Voices Wrestling, a podcast network, uh, VoicesWrestling.com slash Patreon uh, as well. VoicesWrestling.com slash Discord uh, to join the chat as well. Anyway, that was Joe Lanza. I'm Rich Krejci. We'll talk to you guys next time on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Take care.